You're listening to an encore presentation during Stephanie's Corona Voyage interviews. Welcome to Travel with Stephanie Abrams. Well, this has been a very exciting day and a very exciting show. And if you're just joining us now, um, let me remind you that we are still in County Antrim. Uh, We are based about a mile west of the Irish Sea in Northern Ireland on the island that is Ireland. And since there really is no real border, only, you know, if you're looking at a map, the color changes. (laughs) There's a line on the map. Maybe there's a sign that tells you you're now in the Republic of Ireland or you're now in Northern Ireland. The real way you know easily is that in the Republic of Ireland, they count mileage in kilometers. And as soon as you see a sign where the distance to the next town is listed in miles, you know you're in Northern Ireland because the UK counts it in miles. The other way you know is when you pass a petrol station or as we'd call it, a gasoline station. Because in the Republic, the pricing is in euros. And if you see the pricing in pounds sterling, then you know you're in Northern Ireland. Um, For the most part, some of the country back roads are better cared for in Northern Ireland than they are in the Republic. Um, They tend to be well paved and well cared for and not too many potholes hither or yon. Um, Whereas you'll find more really backwoodsy roads uh, that you can meander on in the Republic. And they are named M for motorways, N for national roads, R for rural roads, and L for local roads, and I highly recommend you stay off the local roads. And the more local the road is, or the more rural the road is, it'll be in a double R, a triple R, uh, a quadruple R, or L, two L's, three L's, five L's. Those are basically two mud patches with some grass down the middle that have been worn away because some tractor from a farmer has been driving up and down, and it doesn't go, you know, too many exciting places except in through a lot of um, barren land, farmland, little villages, country towns that you'll never find otherwise. So um, the kind of roads that after a good rain you really want to stay off of and they tend to be one lane. So you need to look for a little area where you can pull over to the side so the farmer and his cows or his sheep can get around you or a car coming the other way. But I love it on this island. I truly, I mean, I am happier than I can possibly describe to you. And in light of how much suffering has gone on in the world this spring and um, late winter, um, I don't know that we even have the right to be this happy, but I'm taking advantage of it. And we'll get home when we get home. Uh, the, The key factor here is to stay healthy. And I am so busy that every week I am shocked that it's Friday. Every week. So welcome to the weekend of the 18th and 19th of July. And I'm happy that you are with us this hour. But if you're just joining us, you missed a wonderful conversation with Dr. Tim Campbell, the director of the St. Patrick Center, who has been a friend since I first met him in February of 2002. And the St. Patrick Center was open 11 months and suffering from lack of visitors due to 9-11. And the world has gone through some real crunches just in uh, since 2000, uh, between 2001 
following three years when a lot of people just didn't go anywhere, particularly the airports. And then following that, 2008 to 12, where the economy globally tanked because of banking mischief. And now with this, um, well, we've been plunged into what I call our Corona voyage. And came over to Ireland on the 28th of February, expecting to go home March 18th. And now it's July 18th. So, hello. <laughs> I don't know when we're getting home. Um, as long as we stay healthy, frankly, I'm, you know, home is wherever I am. We have our equipment with us. We've done probably close to or around 60 interviews by telephone while we've been in Ireland. And certainly face-to-face -face before it became clear that wasn't something that was a good idea. And so we will continue to bring you up-to-date information on what's happening. And in spite of the craziness of the world, there are more and more places that either have already opened, are opening as we speak, or will be opening in the next week or two or three or five. And so take some notes. Because these are places that if you can't go now, you're not up to going now, you can at least start planning now for when you will be able, both physically because of working conditions, economic conditions, whatever, and emotionally that you feel confident that the world is ready to receive you in a way that you'll come back the same or better than when you left home and not risk running into anything you don't want to meet. And I've been very lucky. I just want to mention that in the last hour, we were talking with Norman McBride from the Hastings Bally Galley Castle Hotel, which is barely a mile from where we're staying in County Antrim. It's just down the road at the, the intersection of um, the Irish Sea and the Antrim Coastal Highway, which is one of the most gorgeous places in the world to drive around. So if you're going to get stuck someplace, this is a good place to do it. <laughs> I have no complaints, really, other than this is economically disastrous. But that's a whole other story for a different show. I should get um, Brian Greenberg, the accountant in New Jersey, we used to have on the air to talk about travel. In fact, the last time we had him on the air, we were talking about a trip I planned for him because he thinks I'm his personal travel agent. And he called and said, I hear you talking about Saxony, Germany a lot, and I want to go there. And I don't know if any are you, of you are listeners long enough to remember that somewhere around 2005 or six, I was named the ambassador to North America for Saxony tourism because of the significant contribution I made to the development of travelers from North America showing up in Saxony uh, starting probably in about 2004 or maybe five, somewhere in there. So, yes, you can call me uh, your royal lady ambassador person. But um, Norman McBride is the general manager at the Bally Galley Hotel. And part of that building dates back to 16-something. And the whole castle wall on the side is all, you know, original and coolest place. So you're going to want to, if you missed it, archived sabrams.com with show notes and links to the relevant sites and podcast go to travelers411.com get the podcast url for each show travel with stephanie abrams and travelers411 and then paste it into 
whatever your favorite browser is, they all podcast us. I mean, this is the immediate world podcasts us. So I got an, um, an email, which I get all the time from PR people, marketing people, um, publicists, um, people of, you know, that, that, that want to get the word out related to something in the travel industry. And I got this email that really got my attention for a museum that has a special sculpture exhibit coming up. And when I took a look at who the curator was and then went to get a little background on the curator of the sculptures and sculpture park at this museum that has this special sculpture exhibit happening, um, I, there were so many intersections it was ridiculous. First of all, the the artist, the sculptor that they are featuring is the cousin of somebody I went to school with from junior high school through college. And I knew more about this man who was an emerging presence in the art world that was the, the center of controversy most of his life, A, because his work was controversial. There were a lot of people who didn't understand it because he was making art uh, like tabloids, um, environments, uh, dioramas almost, of people made of plaster casts material, the stuff they used to use when you broke your arm or your leg. They don't use that anymore, but that's the stuff, that white plaster-infused gauze. And he was making people sculptures and telling whole stories. And I remember when he moved his family to the middle of nowhere, New Jersey, bought a chicken farm that was no longer a chicken farm, moved the family into the farmhouse and took over these dilapidated chicken coops and turned them into his work studio. And the family thought he had lost his mind, basically, <laughs> because here he was holed up in the chicken coops all day, making life-size plaster casts of people's bodies and calling it art that other people were looking at and saying, what is that exactly? So that was the first controversy. The next controversy was that he struggled with his own gender identity. And in the midst of that, I knew all about that before the art world knew, before the press knew, before anybody knew, because I was a friend of his cousins. And they used to go, she and her parents would go to visit the chicken farm in New Jersey, and I had all the inside scoop. So when I read this press release about the work of George Siegel, and those of you who are into art knew exactly who I was talking about, and um, I said, oh, this really touches me in a special way. And then I looked to see, well, whom would I like to speak with? And the person I wanted to speak with was the curator. And when I looked at the curator's name, I said, well, this fellow is either German or Austrian. It's one or the other. My grandfather was Austrian. He was from Vienna. And so I have an affinity for a variety of things that are Germanic. And so I thought, mm, should know more about him. And when I looked him up, I found out he came from a place where if you go to uh, this town, you will find a marketplace that's at least, I don't know, thousand years old or something you walk through a gate that's got to be a thousand years old we stayed at a hotel right next to the gate in germany i had the best time there the town is as lively it's pinocchioville come to life 
It is the most charming place. And they have um, these little beaver-like creatures that live along the riverbed that w runs around the hotel right next to the gate there. So we're going to take some breaks. We're going to come right back. And we're going to dive in talking with the curator of the sculpture and sculpture park and the special sculpture exhibit that's taking place. You can go to it now, and I'm going to keep you in suspense till we come back, so don't leave me. Movie show travel itineraries with dots on maps. I want to do better than that and take you traveling by TV. Hi, this is Stephanie Abrams. Join me on Sundays on my new show, Travel TV with Stephanie Abrams, airing coast to coast when it's 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Plan to sit right beside me. We'll explore travel for fun, business, reunions, weddings, honeymoons, families, and sports adventures, reaching homes in Boston, New York City, Miami, Orlando, Tampa, Dallas, Houston, Nashville, Las Vegas, Los Angeles, and more cities across America. Our affiliate TV stations are listed at sabrams.com slash blog. That's s-a-b-r-a-m-s dot com slash blog and at biztv.com. Let's take off traveling together when it's 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Sundays. The magic is happening at Yankee Candle Village in South Deerfield, Mass. One of New England's most popular attractions, the village is a unique entertaining world of fun, fantasy, food, and fragrance for the whole family. It's also the world's largest candle shop where kids and grown-ups can make their own candles. The village is home to the enchanting Black Forest, where it snows year-round. Santa's Workshop, where he welcomes visitors every day of the year. And the Bavarian Christmas Village, filled with sparkling holiday ornaments. In addition to over 400,000 candles, you'll find toys, gifts, and more from great names like Pandora and Vera Bradley. And with tasty treats from Yankee Candy, Fresh Fudge, and Popcornopolis, every day is a holiday. Or sit down with the family for a wonderful meal at the award-winning Chandler's Restaurant. Yankee Candle Village in South Deerfield, Mass. Where families come for the candles and stay for the fun. Take the Mass Pike to I-91, exit 24. Ah, Curacao, the island that offers vacationers 55 different cultures wrapped in history and charming traditional European architecture like those you'd find in the Netherlands, but dressed in Southern Caribbean sherbet colors. Curacao's capital city, Willemstead, is a UNESCO World Heritage City waiting for you to explore its many attractions. And when you've whipped up an appetite and thirst after sightseeing and visiting your choice of over 60 dive and snorkeling sites complete with intimate coves and beaches, you'll find a a wide variety of sidewalk cafes, gourmet restaurants, local eateries, and markets to satisfy every palate. Slide into Curacao's live and let live way of life. Curacao, feel it for yourself. Visit curacao.com or call toll free 800-328-7222. That's 800-328-7222. Your U.S. passport is the key to your international adventures abroad and is the most secure travel document that proves both citizenship and identity. The State Department's official website, travel.state.gov, has comprehensive information about applying for a passport for the first time, renewing a passport, passports for minors, fees, and much more. You can apply at over 8,000 passport acceptance facilities 
including post offices and clerks of court. Standard processing is currently four to six weeks, and expedited service takes two to three weeks. If you need your passport in less than two weeks, call 1-877-487-2778 to schedule an appointment at one of our regional passport agencies. Once you have your passport, sign up for our Smart Traveler Enrollment Program and download our Smart Traveler app on your smartphone. You will receive country-specific information, travel alerts, and warnings. Visit us at travel.state.gov today. It's Travel with Stephanie Abrams. I am thrilled to have on the line with me Jochen Virich. Virich or Virich? Virich. Virich. Um, who is stationed in Michigan, no? Yes. And um, what town are you located in? Grand Rapids, Michigan. You know, we must have half a dozen different radio stations just in the greater Grand Rapids and uh, Lansing, East Lansing. My father was born in uh, Lansing, Michigan, by the way. And um, even after the family moved to Baltimore, when my father was probably 10 years old or something like that, uh, my grandfather used to go back every summer to the hot springs in a place called, I think it's called Mount Clemens. And uh, every year, grandfather went off for the summer to Michigan. <laughs> so I have, you know, when I'm, I'm just reading all this stuff Michigan, about so I you. I still have a lot of exploration to do. Well, I, well that's true. Everybody, you know, because no matter where you live, whether you were born there or transplanted there, you're so busy with the minutia of daily living that you don't get to do all the things that a visitor gets to do. And I hear that from people here in Ireland all the time when they say, where did you go? What did you do? And I mention it. And they've either, and this is a little island. I mean, you know, you had deep pockets, you could carpet this island. But uh, it's a small place, but people go away. They go to Spain and Portugal and Italy and other places, America, wherever, when they have a holiday period, depending on how much time they have and what time of year it is. They don't stay here. This year is the year that Irish people are going to get to learn about the island that is Ireland because there are a lot of people sticking closer to home. And I think this is a very good year for American hotels, hospitality venues, and attractions because there are a lot of people who are going to want to take a car trip. And so when I saw, Jochen, that you have this wonderful George Siegel exhibit happening I thought, well, people should yeah. be putting this on their list of things to do and yeah. see. Yeah. So, uh, were you born in Noise? Yeah, I, I was born in Noise, and I'm just when I got your email uh, and you told me that you had stayed in Noise, I was just thrilled because typically, you know, the Americans um, they uh, they don't know Noise, and uh, so when people ask me where I'm from, I say, oh, I'm from outside of Düsseldorf because Düsseldorf is the next big city. But Neuss is actually much older than, uh, oh, yes. than Dusseldorf. It's very old. It goes back to Roman times. Uh, and, you know, they originally had a little fortress there, a little station. And then it grew out of that. And in the Middle Ages, it was middle the Middle Ages. It was a very prominent town. And as you said, uh, you know, most of the, the downtown area, the market and the gate, it's all dates back to the Middle Ages. It's a fabulous place to go. I had a couple of interesting experiences in noise the reason we were there 
was that um, at the time, uh, LTU Airlines, before it was bought by Air Berlin and then merged into Lufthansa, was a sponsor. And they had just built this wonderful new transportation complex where you could fly into Dusseldorf and you would find uh, a bus terminal to get anywhere and the train station to get not only anywhere in Germany, but anywhere in Europe. And yeah. so they built this state-of-the-art fabulous place, and the people at LTU were busting for us to go over and visit Dusseldorf and see the transportation complex, and uh, Neuss is, what, I don't know, five kilometers or five, five miles? I mean, it's, what, 10 minutes from yeah. downtown Dusseldorf? Yeah. And I loved it there. I absolutely yeah. loved it there. It was a wonderful experience. And if you yeah. go to sabrams.com, and you put Neuss, you put Dusseldorf, you put Germany into the search box at sabrams.com or travelers411.com, you're going to get um, links to the archived audio of the people that I interviewed while we were there. What, how long ago did you emigrate to the U.S.? So, you know, I, I've been in the U.S. now for quite a while, I over two decades, Um I, I, I almost have lived, uh, you know, more, more of my, my, my life in the U.S. than in Germany, actually, because I left in Germany uh, when I was in my 20s. And um, so I, uh, you know, I mean, I love Germany and I, I love going back. But but really, the U.S. is now where my life is. I have a look, you know, my, my family is here and, uh, you know, most of my career uh, has been in the, you know, in the U.S. Okay. Well, we're going to have to jump in there and take a quick break. We're going to come right back, and we're going to have a lot of time in the next segment to find out more about you and George Siegel's exhibit. We'll be right back. Portions of today's show brought to you by Curacao, offering vacationers cultural experiences wrapped in history and charming traditional European architecture. A UNESCO World Heritage City on a southern Caribbean island with coves, beaches, and over 60 dive and snorkeling sites. Curacao, feel it for yourself. Visit curacao.com. Your U.S. passport is the key to your international adventures abroad and is the most secure travel document that proves both citizenship and identity. The State Department's official website, travel.state.gov, has comprehensive information about applying for a passport for the first time, renewing a passport, passports for minors, fees, and much more. You can apply at over 8,000 passport acceptance facilities, including post offices and clerks of court. Standard processing is currently four to six weeks, and expedited service takes two to three weeks. If you need your passport in less than two weeks, call 1-877-487-2778 to schedule an appointment at one of our regional passport agencies. Once you have your passport, sign up for our Smart Traveler Enrollment Program and download our Smart Traveler app on your smartphone. You will receive country-specific information, travel alerts, and warnings. Visit us at travel.state.gov today. 
Movie show travel itineraries with dots on maps. I want to do better than that and take you traveling by TV. Hi, this is Stephanie Abrams. Join me on Sundays on my new show, Travel TV with Stephanie Abrams, airing coast to coast when it's 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Plan to sit right beside me. We'll explore travel for fun, business, reunions, weddings, honeymoons, families, and sports adventures, reaching homes in Boston, New York City, Miami, Orlando, Tampa, Dallas, Houston, Nashville, Las Vegas, Los Angeles, and more cities across America. Our affiliate TV stations are listed at sabrams.com slash blog. That's s-a-b-r-a-m-s dot com slash blog and at biztv.com. Let's take off traveling together when it's 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Sundays. Ah, Curacao, the island that offers vacationers 55 different cultures wrapped in history and charming traditional European architecture like those you'd find in the Netherlands, but dressed in Southern Caribbean sherbet colors. Curacao's capital city, Willemstead, is a UNESCO World Heritage City waiting for you to explore its many attractions. And when you've whipped up an appetite and thirst after sightseeing and visiting your choice of over 60 dive and snorkeling sites complete with intimate coves and beaches, you'll find a wide variety of sidewalk cafes, gourmet restaurants, local eateries, and markets to satisfy every palate. Slide into Curacao's live and let live way of life. Curacao, feel it for yourself. Visit curacao.com or call toll-free 800-328-7222. That's 800-328-7222. The magic is happening at Yankee Candle Village in South Deerfield, Mass. One of New England's most popular attractions, the village is a unique entertaining world of fun, fantasy, food, and fragrance for the whole family. It's also the world's largest candle shop, where kids and grown-ups can make their own candles. The village is home to the enchanting Black Forest, where it snows year-round. Santa's Workshop, where he welcomes visitors every day of the year. And the Bavarian Christmas Village, filled with sparkling holiday ornaments. In addition to over 400,000 candles, you'll find toys, gifts, and more from great names like Pandora and Vera Bradley. And with tasty treats from Yankee Candy, Fresh Fudge, and Popcornopolis, every day is a holiday. Or sit down with the family for a wonderful meal at the award-winning Chandler's Restaurant. Yankee Candle Village in South Deerfield, Mass., where families come for the candles and stay for the fun. Take the Mass Pike to I-91, exit 24. Rumors, Stephanie Abrams' novel of secrets, lies, and conspiracies that ensnare the lives of ordinary people in a tightening web that all starts with rumors. Available at Amazon.com in print and Kindle formats and BarnesandNoble.com. Rumors by Stephanie Abrams, the perfect leisure time companion. Traveling soon? Got questions? Email Stephanie at Stephanie at SABRAMS.com. It's Travel with Stephanie Abrams. It's travel with Stephanie Abrams. On the line with me from Grand Rapids, Michigan. And hi, all y'all listening to all the radio stations in Michigan. I think we must have six or eight radio stations that carry us in Michigan. So we appreciate that you're there. 
and you guys are close enough to just get in the old jalopy and take a drive over to Grand Rapids to the Frederick Meyer Gardens and Sculpture Park, where our guest online with us today, who is Jochen Verich, um, is the curator of the sculpture exhibits and the sculpture park and all that jazz. So how was the decision made to host the traveling works of George Siegel? Okay. Well, first of all, um, we have uh, a fairly um, substantial collection of works by Siegel uh, that we either acquired or that the uh, uh, George and Helen Siegel Foundation uh, gave to us. Um, and when I came, um, I, I, I knew that we had this collection. And I, when I reviewed it, um, it what, was, what was so um, kind of surprising and um, uh, kind of inspiring was that not only did we have sculptures by Siegel, we also had these works on paper, these, these prints, you know, lithographs and... and um, and aqua tins and 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 uh, uh, serigraphs, uh, excuse me, silk screens. Uh, that and I realized they had never really been shown much, and so I wanted to do an exhibition that has the sculpture but has the prints uh, side by side with the sculptures, and that makes this exhibition very unique. Um, and then we actually went back to the George and Helen uh, Siegel Foundation, asked for a few more sculptures to uh, complement uh, this exhibition that is mostly our collection. And uh, that's really how the show came about. Well, let me ask you a question on that. Um, we live in Berkshire County in Western Massachusetts. Have you ever visited there? That When we're not marooned well, in Ireland. Well, Have you ever been there? Uh, you know, I, I, was, I, was say, I was saying earlier that I, I came over to the U.S. as an exchange student. I was in Amherst, Massachusetts. That's where my son went to school. That's yeah. about an hour and 20 minutes from where we live. Um, yeah. It's, it's, um, it's a little bit of a distance, but not a big deal to get to. Well, while you were, were you on campus four years in Amherst? I wasn't, no. So I was at UMass Amherst. Right. And I was there for a year. Okay. During that year, did you ever get to the, Fran the Sterling and Francine Clark Art Institute or the Norman Rockwell Museum? I, I did not, but I did uh, at a later point, uh, you know, when I came back to the U.S., at, you know, and, and uh, um, went to graduate school and so on, I got a chance to go to the Clark Institute. Okay. Well, then you probably passed where we live on your way. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, um, yeah um, just south of where we live is a Pittsfield, the heart of the heart of Berkshire County. And just yeah. north of where we live is Williamstown, where Williams College is where the Williams College Museum of Art, which by the way, people, is free, and it's a wonderful museum, and it's small enough that, you know, if you're not into visiting places like the Louvre or the Metropolitan Museum of Art or the British Museum, where at the end of walking through, you crawl out on all fours, promising yourself you're never doing this again because it's too exhausting. These are museums, the the, the Norman Rockwell Museum, the, the uh, Sterling, they always put Sterling first because he was the one with the money. Um, Sterling was uh, an heir to the Singer Sewing Machine fortune. And he and his wife, after they married, just after World War One, took a ship, because flying was not in the cards then, to Europe 
and it was when the Impressionists were emerging, blossoming, and they just bought everything they liked and brought it back on the ship. And in the 1950s, when there was concern among people, particularly who lived in Washington, D.C. and New York and a few other key places, that during the Cold War, Russia was going to bomb New York City, they weren't afraid of anything other than the art getting lost. So they looked for a safe haven to keep the artwork that they bought. And they had Picassos and, and Salvador Dali's and... Yeah, I name it. They had Degas. They had Renoirs. What am I talking about? They had, well, there are at least, there are over 30 Renoirs at that museum, uh, the uh, Sterling and Francine Clark. And we live in the middle of nowhere in the mountains. And so it's a kind of place where you have to go to some major city, some metropolis in the world, to see the quality of the art that's right there surrounded by the Berkshire Hills that we like to think are mountains. And um, nothing like the mountains in Germany, trust me. We don't, our, our mountains don't go above the tree line, so our trees go up over the top and down the other side. But the thing that is uh, interesting to me always is when people come to visit us, there are places on my hip parade list that I want to make sure I take them. Some of them are outdoorsy natural things like the natural bridge that's eroded by the glacier age into uh, from the marble the, the the hills are marble there and it made a bridge and so that's just fun to go and walk all over and whatnot and see it, and they look like eschers by the way the way the the water carved the uh the marble um it looks like you're looking down on escher paintings but in any event i'm always surprised when we go to the clark or we go to um the Norman Rockwell Museum with visitors, that something I'm, I'm very excited about sharing with my visitor is not on display because the curator, um, who is a good friend, Stephanie Plunkett, has decided to feature some roving exhibit that's coming, uh, traveling to visit, and or some things that they have, you know, archived away in the warehouse that come out from time to time. And to make room for it, something that generally would be on display is not. How much of the collection that the Frederick Meyer um, Sculpture Museum, um, Garden and Sculpture Park, um, how much of your, the collection that you have is stored away somewhere? And how often do right. you change them? Right. So even local people right. living, in, living well, in the Midwest who could get to you easily wouldn't come once right. and think there's no reason to go again because we saw it. How often do you change right. up things? Well, well, let me tell you that, um, uh, you know, we, we, our, our focus are, is outdoor sculpture. And so we really like to have everything out simply because when you're talking outdoor sculpture, you know, we're talking large size, monumental size sculpture. And if you think about, you know, having the, those kinds of sculptures in storage, you know, that takes up a lot of space. So we try to have a lot of it out and we do, you know, we have a lot of things out. Now, having said this, we also have uh, some, uh, some works, um, as I said, you know, two dimensional works uh, in storage that are related to sculpture. So we have, um, uh, works, uh, drawings by sculptors, and 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 uh, you know, um, like Seagull, we have the the prints 
And when we get a chance to show show those, um, those are really fascinating exhibitions because you see the sculpture, the sculptor uh, not only working in three dimensional but also in two dimensional uh, ways, which really kind of then allows you to see the process and to see kind of how an artist explores different themes in different media. So is the garden only open like April to October, or are you there year-round and people no. trudge through we're, snow, or what? We're all year-round. We're all year-round. And let me tell you, it is really beautiful in every season. I bet. You know, I came here, I came here a year ago. It was middle of July. It was beautiful. The, the, the gardens were blooming. Everything was green and lush. Uh, then the fall was beautiful, and then the winter, I tell you, was so magical because the, the sculptures were covered by snow. And it, 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 there's something really magical about having these no sculptures kidding. covered by snow. No kidding. Now, well, do you clear a path, or how how do people get yeah. to walk around the garden without slipping and killing themselves? Yeah. No, no, no. We have We have staff. As a matter of fact, our garden staff you know basically because you know they're they're working all year round they just work on clearing clearing the path making sure you know uh we you know the the you know that the the road the, the pathway are not too slippery and so um you know we are accessible i mean um, I give you a- it's gonna be a little bit more difficult let's say if you're in a wheelchair to come in the winter but we still try to make it accessible can I give you a crazy idea? Because it's part of my nature to stick my nose in places it does not belong. So, you know, sure. as my mother used to say, when somebody would ask my mother a question and say, can I ask you a question? My mother's answer was always, sure, but I don't have to answer it. So <laughs> by the same token, um, when someone would decide, may I give you some advice? She would say, yeah, but I don't have to take it. So <laughs> I want to offer you some advice that you can completely ignore. But I'm like the um, the travel bumblebee. Now, there's a good name for a book. Um, you know, I, I flit around from place to place gathering pollen as I go. And often I, I meet people who should know one another. I, I meet, you know, that are in the travel industry or in, in tourism. Um, I, I get ideas in one place that would apply so well in another. So let me throw an idea at you and then you can, you know, choose to ignore it or whatever. And maybe you're already doing it. But if you're not being in Michigan where you are, it would be an added interesting attraction and way to increase visitors in the dead of winter, which is probably the quieter time of the year for you. That's correct. Okay. So here this is. And it's a gift of love. You will not get a bill from herself, the consultant. Um, There's... um, I don't know if the guy who was the GM when I interviewed him is still there, but if you wanted to talk with somebody there about exactly what they did and how they did it, I'll be happy to share contacts. There's a hotel, I think it's called a resort, the Mont Tremblant. It's a year-round resort, and it's just outside of Montreal. And so it's a place you can go all summer and fall and spring, but it attracts skiers in the winter and one of the staff people, and it was wonderful of the general manager to give credit that this was an idea of one of the employees, because I've worked for far too many p- companies where no matter what the idea was that I came up with, you never would have heard it came from me. <laughs> so I worked all, generally with people who only knew the word I and not we. <laughs> so, 
But one of his staff people came up with an idea and they implemented it. And this idea, I think, would work very, very well for you. And by the way, people, if you just joined us, you is um, Jochen Wierick, uh, who is the curator of sculpture and sculpture exhibits exhibitions at the Frederick Meyer Garden and Sculpture Park in Grand Rapids, Michigan. So you want to check it out. Here's what they did. They dug about six inches down into the earth and they created a winding serpentine trail about six feet wide, maybe eight feet wide and about six inches deep. And they flooded it with a garden hose with water and they let ah. it freeze. And they allowed people to come with their skates, but they, because they rented skis and snowshoes and, and boots and poles and whatnot, they also rented um, ice skates in case people didn't have ice skates with them. But, you know, the word got out, so that became a reason why people wanted to come, you know, as adults or with their children and go skate on the trail. Can you imagine adding an ice skating trail through your sculpture garden for winter? Wouldn't that be I'd like to use the word, wouldn't that be yeah. hot? But no, wouldn't that be cold? Yeah. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah. You know, I I like it. I like it. Um, I I don't know. Um, you know, there's always, you know, always these these pesky insurance issues, you know. and Well, they and, manage, and they're in the Canada. Liability so issues. They're that, in Canada. I, would, I don't know what their rules are. About, you know? But if you, if you could get, you know, cooperation of your insurance company and... Yeah. In the spring and summer months, um, I think yeah. they they went off through the woods, so it didn't matter. Yeah. But you, yeah. so you, you ice skated through the, the woodsy trail. But um, in your case, you know, you could put sculptures in that that trench that it, you know, yeah. or or flowers potted pots of this and yeah. that, or lay down a boardwalk. I mean, whatever. Yeah. We're gonna take yeah. a quick break and come right back. Talk a little bit about. Uh, George Siegel and the special exhibit going on in uh, Michigan. And we're going to do that right after these important messages. So stay with me. Stephanie Abrams here. Your U.S. passport is the key to your international adventures abroad and is the most secure travel document that proves both citizenship and identity. The State Department's official website, travel.state.gov, has comprehensive information about applying for a passport for the first time, renewing a passport, passports for minors, fees, and much more. You can apply at over 8,000 passport acceptance facilities, including post offices and clerks of court. Standard processing is currently four to six weeks, and expedited service takes two to three weeks. If you need your passport in less than two weeks, call 1-877-487-2778 to schedule an appointment at one of our regional passport agencies. Once you have your passport, sign up for our Smart Traveler Enrollment Program and download our Smart Traveler app on your smartphone. You will receive country-specific information, travel alerts, and warnings. Visit us at travel.state.gov today. Rumors, Stephanie Abrams' novel of secrets, lies, and conspiracies that ensnare the lives of ordinary people in a tightening web that all starts with rumors. Available at Amazon.com in print and Kindle formats and BarnesandNoble.com. 
Rumors by Stephanie Abrams, the perfect leisure time companion. Traveling soon? Got questions? Email Stephanie at Stephanie at S-A-B-R-A-M-S dot com. It's Travel with Stephanie Abrams. The magic is happening at Yankee Candle Village in South Deerfield, Mass. One of New England's most popular attractions, the village is a unique entertaining world of fun, fantasy, food, and fragrance for the whole family. It's also the world's largest candle shop, where kids and grown-ups can make their own candles. The village is home to the enchanting Black Forest, where it snows year-round. Santa's Workshop, where he welcomes visitors every day of the year. And the Bavarian Christmas Village, filled with sparkling holiday ornaments. In addition to over 400,000 candles, you'll find toys, gifts, and more from great names like Pandora and Vera Bradley. And with tasty treats from Yankee Candy, Fresh Fudge, and Popcornopolis, every day is a holiday. Or sit down with the family for a wonderful meal at the award-winning Chandler's Restaurant. Yankee Candle Village in South Deerfield, Mass. Where families come for the candles and stay for the fun. Take the Mass Pike to I-91, exit 24. Movie show travel itineraries with dots on maps. I want to do better than that and take you traveling by TV. Hi, this is Stephanie Abrams. Join me on Sundays on my new show, Travel TV with Stephanie Abrams, airing coast to coast when it's 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Plan to sit right beside me. We'll explore travel for fun, business, reunions, weddings, honeymoons, families, and sports adventures, reaching homes in Boston, New York City, Miami, Orlando, Tampa, Dallas, Houston, Nashville, Las Vegas, Los Angeles, and more cities across America. Our affiliate TV stations are listed at sabrams.com slash blog. That's s-a-b-r-a-m-s dot com slash blog and at biztv.com. Let's take off traveling together when it's 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Sundays. Ah, Curacao, the island that offers vacationers 55 different cultures wrapped in history and charming traditional European architecture like those you'd find in the Netherlands, but dressed in Southern Caribbean sherbet colors. Curacao's capital city, Willemstead, is a UNESCO World Heritage City waiting for you to explore its many attractions. And when you've whipped up an appetite and thirst after sightseeing and visiting your choice of over 60 dive and snorkeling sites complete with intimate coves and beaches, you'll find a wide variety of sidewalk cafes, gourmet restaurants, local eateries, and markets to satisfy every palate. Slide into Curacao's live and let live way of life. Curacao, feel it for yourself. Visit curacao.com or call toll-free 800-328-7222. That's 800-328-7222. It's travel with Stephanie Abrams. I am thrilled to have on the line with me from Grand Rapids, Michigan, the curator of not only all the things that go on having to do with the uh, the sculpture gardens and park, sculpture park at the Frederick Meyer um, location, who is overseeing this brand new exhibit um, honoring the works of George Siegel. 
And I think George Siegel really came to the forefront of the average person who maybe wasn't following art world history in the making with his unique work when the when Time magazine featured his work on the cover. And that was a big thing. And so um, why don't we focus a little bit, um, Jochen, on what what is it exactly that is the magnet that should attract people to this particular exhibit in Grand Rapids, Michigan? Right. Well, two things. Uh, and I appreciate your, your, your the way you set the stage. You talked about the plaster and he used these medical bandages, right? And he would right. create... Uh, you know, plaster plaster sculptures out of out of this very sort of um, uh, you know medical uh, medical practice, right? Which which people which people use to 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 uh, to uh, uh, fix fix a, a broken arm, and and so he he created something out of that that was unique, and he was extremely creative and inventive in doing that. And I also uh, you know I remember his work going to museums in Europe. I mean, I was I was going to those museums in Dusseldorf and Cologne and, and whatnot, and um, I was always like so intrigued by the kind of simplicity of, of of how he would translate, you know, the human figure into something, uh, you know, artistic. And so um, when I looked at well, how can how can I represent Siegel? What can I do? What can I show that that is also different? I realized that not only was he such a such an innovative sculptor, he was also actually a very very good painter. And you know, early on in his career, he was looking at Paul Cezanne and Henri Matisse, and he was emulating those artists. And in this exhibition, you can see, for instance, in one painting, how he is working through this European modernism, and then and then and then how he transformed that in sculpture and went beyond it in sculpture and it became something very i guess you could say american and it's kind of hands-on uh have everyday kind of raw uh, raw appearance um so we have all of that in the show you see him working you know with uh, this sort of modern modern color palette and at the same time then you know you see him working with this new material uh, the plaster, the plaster material, and how he, you know, created the human, human recreated the human body uh, in plaster. Wow! How many pieces are there actually in this exhibit? And and are yeah. and are these all outdoors? No. So this is an indoor exhibition. We have a special sculpture galleries. Uh, to show like things like um, you know sculptures that you would that are not um, in a in a uh, uh, in a condition that they can be shown outdoors. Oh well, yeah, because if you, you if know, you put those plaster things in, in the rain, they'll they, melt. <laughs> they oh, they just, would they would melt yeah, exactly. They melt down. But we do have a seagull. We do have a seagull outdoors. That's a bronze. So uh -huh. if it's bronze, it can go outdoors. Right, right. But how many pieces so, are there altogether? Say, oh, so there are about 10 sculptures and there are about uh, 30 uh, two-dimensional pieces. Wow. So, uh, the, the, so the two really kind of complement each other. Um, and um, I, I thought that was really the, the most exciting aspect to see, to see uh, you know, uh, his, his engagement with the human body in, in all these different media. Well, I want to share just as we're wrapping up the the last of 
um, to this uh, um, today's show. Um, I want to say a special shout out to all of our fans and listeners and those of you driving around beautiful Michigan um, to direct you to the Frederick Meyer um, sculpture garden and sculpture gardens and sculpture park. It's a really extraordinary place. But all of you people listening on WATT AM and FM in Cadillac, Traverse City, and Petoskey, Michigan, um, listening on WBCH AM 1220 in Hastings, Grand Rapids, Kalamazoo, and Battle Creek, and all of you listening on WT, WHTC AM and FM in Holland at Grand Rapids and Kalamazoo and Battle Creek, get your backfield in motion and head over to this museum and seek out Jochen, the curator, and say hi, y'all, from me. Thank you all for joining us today. Come back next week. We love you good, and we're flying high. You're listening to an encore presentation during Stephanie's Corona Voyage interviews. I am delighted that you are with us. I want to wish you a very happy and safe and healthy America's birthday weekend. It's a very strange thing to be on the other side of the ocean, on the east side of the Atlantic during the July 4th festivities. I hope you can at least get out and while paying attention to doing whatever promotes a healthful environment in your life, it's still get to enjoy this weekend. If you're joining us for the first time, or you haven't been paying close attention, um, I'm in County Antrim, which is on the east coast of Ireland, the island that is Ireland, in Northern Ireland. It is gorgeous here. And this is such a gorgeous time of the year to be here as well, but, you know, Ireland has a very mild climate. So in February, you'll see spring flowers already in bloom. The pansies and the tulips and the daffodils are all starting to come up. You know, by the end of February, there are fields of daffodils everywhere you look. You won't find that in the Northeast. And we're far north. So at 4 o'clock in the morning, it's already daylight. And at 11 o'clock at night, it's just getting dark. People are still playing on the golf course 10.30 at night. They're finishing up around that they started at 8 o'clock. And you can stand at 10.30 at night outside and read from a book with no artificial lighting because you're so far north. What keeps it mild here is that the Gulf Stream runs around Ireland. If it didn't, Ireland would look like Greenland or at least like Greenland used to. I don't think there's as much ice in Greenland as there once was. But I am thrilled to be here in Ireland, and I am thrilled that you are with us this July 4th weekend. And we also, on the weekend of celebrating America's birthday, we celebrate our anniversary. This weekend, we start our 19th year on radio. Who can believe it? Amazing, isn't it? It's amazing to me. And the same team we started with, we're still working with. So something's going right. So special congratulations to 
my very good friend and partner in crime, <laughs> David Isby, our senior producer. But we got stuck in Ireland, and I hate to use the word stuck, but at least it's a quick way of explaining we couldn't get home because the last thing I feel is stuck. This is such a wonderful place, people. And we are in what is called a self-catering cottage, which I guess is like a big RV without wheels. <laughs> so uh, the wheels we have from the wonderful people at Budget Car Rental and um, there's lots of places to go that aren't terribly far away. Well, the beach is a mile down the road from where we are that, uh, that fronts on the Irish Sea. And so I'm really, really happy that um, you can find our podcasts, if you miss any part of today's show, at Travelers411.com or do what I did. I went to Google. And I put in podcast, Travel with Stephanie Abrams. I also put in Travelers 411. I also put in Stephanie Abrams travel shows. But the word podcast first. And you'll get pages and pages and pages of podcasters. And I fell across one. I think it's podcast.de for Germany, Deutschland. I couldn't believe it. They have our podcast of Travel with Stephanie Abrams going back to 2012 when we first started podcasting. They have every single show of Travel with Stephanie Abrams. So if you've ever missed one, because we only podcast them for a year at Travelers411.com, because we figure if you don't go and download it within 52 weeks, you're probably never going to. But we archive every show. So if there's a destination, a brand, a subject matter, a person, in the travel industry that we've ever interviewed and talked about, you're going to find the archive material forever and ever going back to 2002, the first Sunday in July 2002 when we went on the air with one show, Travel with Stephanie Abrams, and in 2005 introduced Travelers 411 and have been going strong ever since, Knockwood, in spite of all the craziness that the world continually presents us with. And among that craziness is dealing with this virus story. I am very impressed with what hoteliers are and hotel organizations are sharing with me about what they are doing to actually give confidence and from a perception point of view, give confidence to potential travelers that their staff is going to the nth degree to sanitize and make sure that between visits of visitors, being in elevators, walking down hallways, touching handrails, what have you, you're in an environment that's as sterile as they're going to be able to make it. And it wouldn't be a bad idea if you carried latex gloves with you wherever you went and a mask. But I've given some serious thought to how difficult it may be for some people because of their special physical challenges, their special emotional challenges of getting over the idea that, you know, they really can be safe in such an environment. And what happens when you have little kids who don't pay attention? Not because they're bad little kids, 
but because they're too young to grasp the situation and you don't want to turn them into little paranoid adults. And so, you know, if you're traveling with a family of various age groups, but particularly if you're traveling with young children, you may find it really difficult to get them that don't touch this and don't touch that routine. And it occurred to me that you could take your own hotel with you wherever you go. And then you don't have to worry about who was in it last because the last one in it was you. And you don't have to worry about who cleaned it up because you were the one who cleaned it up and you know what job you did. And you don't have to worry about going out to a restaurant because you've got the facility to be able to make your own meals and serve yourself and get to nooks and crannies and all kinds of places. So, of course, you've guessed it. Talking about taking yourself on the road with your own recreational vehicle. And I have to tell you, I married a fellow who I'm still married to. I like to tell people that his children are, you know, our children are his from his first marriage, but there's only been one marriage. <laughs> so I have to claim them too. <laughs> but we used to go camping and we bought a pop-up camper that made it easy to pull into a site unhitch the, the, the camper from our vehicle, turn a crank and bingo, the thing popped up, metal box on the bottom on wheels and a canvas top with plastic zip-in windows and screens. We had a queen-size bed on one side. Our daughter had the um, single bed on the other side and actually it was a double bed on the other side, but she slept in it. And we collapsed the um, kind of picnic-style dining table in in between the two bed areas, folded down with the bench seats, and hidden underneath was a foam mattressy kind of cushiony thing that you put on top of what essentially was the the picnic table inside the pop-up camper, and that became a bed for my son. And he was the perfect size for that. And we had a little kitchen. We had a little screen door. You could even lock the screen door, which was a nice feature. And um, we rented one for a couple of years. And then we loved it so much, we bought one. And we had it for years and years and years. And it was a good balancing act because my children, I didn't want them to grow up thinking that traveling only means being in a, 12 or 1500 square foot suite with a 40 foot terrace and room service. I wanted them to know how to fend for themselves when you have to be creative about survival and the kind of surviving we were doing. We were not doing primitive camping by any means. But it certainly wasn't all the conveniences of call down to the housekeeping to get this or call down to the front desk for that or room service to deliver. It's learn how to do these things. And we did it for years and years. As a matter of fact, the people who are listening on WBRK, 97.1 FM and 1340 on the AM dial in Berkshire County, and or who are listening in Great Barrington, Massachusetts on 860 on the AM dial and their FM station that I never can remember. Forgive me, David, for not remembering. But if you drive up Route 7, 
just around the place where you'll see Lanesboro Pizza on the right side of the road and Pontusic Lake on the left side. When you're going north on Route 7 towards Williamstown, Massachusetts, another historic place where we live in Berkshire County. If you make a right turn on one of those streets, you will come to the place that was, I think they've changed the name, it was the Bonnie Bray Campground. And we took a site from May to October for a couple of years and went up every weekend, every holiday, every day we could steal. And that's where we stayed and overnighted, fell in love with the county, and that's why we bought our house in Berkshire County and stayed forever, almost. Now we're in County Antrim, Ireland. So there is much to know about this concept of recreational vehicles in general. But at this particular time, when you're dealing with concerns about how clean is it really and will we really be safe and I have special needs and do I want to, does this sound like more aggravation than it's worth? Rather than not traveling, look for an alternative, and maybe your alternative is RV travel. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back, and we're going to be talking with Gigi Stetler, who's the CEO of RV Sales of Broward County and um, in Florida. And we're going to do that after these messages. show travel itineraries with dots on maps. I want to do better than that and take you traveling by TV. Hi, this is Stephanie Abrams. Join me on Sundays on my new show, Travel TV with Stephanie Abrams, airing coast to coast when it's 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Plan to sit right beside me. We'll explore travel for fun, business, reunions, weddings, honeymoons, families, and sports adventures, reaching homes in Boston, New York City, Miami, Orlando, Tampa, Dallas, Houston, Nashville, Las Vegas, Los Angeles, and more cities across America. Our affiliate TV stations are listed at sabrams.com slash blog. That's S-A-B-R-A-M-S dot com slash blog and at biztv.com. Let's take off traveling together when it's 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Sundays. The magic is happening at Yankee Candle Village in South Deerfield, Mass. One of New England's most popular attractions, the village is a unique entertaining world of fun, fantasy, food, and fragrance for the whole family. It's also the world's largest candle shop where kids and grown-ups can make their own candles. The village is home to the enchanting Black Forest, where it snows year-round. Santa's Workshop, where he welcomes visitors every day of the year. And the Bavarian Christmas Village, filled with sparkling holiday ornaments. In addition to over 400,000 candles, you'll find toys, gifts, and more from great names like Pandora and Vera Bradley. And with tasty treats from Yankee Candy, Fresh Fudge, and Popcornopolis, every day is a holiday. Or sit down with the family for a wonderful meal at the award-winning Chandler's Restaurant. Yankee Candle Village in South Deerfield, Mass. Where families come for the candles and stay for the fun. Take the Mass Pike to I-91, exit 24. 
Ah, Curacao, the island that offers vacationers 55 different cultures wrapped in history and charming traditional European architecture like those you'd find in the Netherlands, but dressed in Southern Caribbean sherbet colors. Curacao's capital city, Willemstad, is a UNESCO World Heritage City waiting for you to explore its many attractions. And when you've whipped up an appetite and thirst after sightseeing and visiting your choice of over 60 dive and snorkeling sites complete with intimate coves and beaches, you'll find a wide variety of sidewalk cafes, gourmet restaurants, local eateries, and markets to satisfy every palate. Slide into Curacao's live and let live way of life. Curacao, feel it for yourself. Visit curacao.com or call toll free 800-328-7222. That's 800-328-7222. Your U.S. passport is the key to your international adventures abroad and is the most secure travel document that proves both citizenship and identity. The State Department's official website, travel.state.gov, has comprehensive information about applying for a passport for the first time, renewing a passport, passports for minors, fees, and much more. You can apply at over 8,000 passport acceptance facilities, including post offices and clerks of court. Standard processing is currently four to six weeks, and expedited service takes two to three weeks. If you need your passport in less than two weeks, call 1-877-487-2778 to schedule an appointment at one of our regional passport agencies. Once you have your passport, sign up for our Smart Traveler Enrollment Program and download our Smart Traveler app on your smartphone. You will receive country-specific information, travel alerts, and warnings. Visit us at travel.state.gov today. It's travel with Stephanie Abrams. On the line with me is Gigi Stetler. She is the CEO of RV Sales of Broward. Thank you for joining us. Um, how long have you been involved in the business of recreational vehicles? How are you? I'm, I'm, uh, I've uh, long time, 33 years. Oh wow, a newcomer. Did you? Did your yeah. family grow up involved with camping and traveling with recreational vehicles, or did this happen in your adult life? It happened in my adult life. Uh, I was 24 and. Um, I was actually asked by a friend of my mother's who purchased a piece of property, uh, and there were RVs on it. There was a um, an existing dealership, and he had bought the, the land to develop it and asked me if I would go and get rid of those uh, RVs. I didn't even know what RVs stood for, so I just <laughs> called them little houses on wheels. So, and this the next thing I knew, I, I, I sold them, and then I took a couple of trade-ins, and then customers wanted to order some, and I was like, oh, wow, okay, I'm in the RV business now. <laughs> That's kind of how it started. Wow. How big is the place that you oversee in uh, uh, Davie, Florida? Well, it started out when I, when I my, the first project was, was that little tiny piece of property. It was tiny, tiny, tiny. Uh, less than a quarter of an acre and um through the years um i actually in 19 that was in 1986 and then in 1999 i went on my own and and started another uh, my, my own company and in 99 
and then from there I ended up throughout from there till about 2005 2006 I managed to buy out every competitor uh, in our in on our street when I started in this business I'm the only female in this business and I was 24 years old and showed up at the first dealer meeting with a bunch of fat cat, good old boys, scotch drinking guys who asked me what I was doing there. And I said, I'm here for the dealer meeting. And I had a couple of ideas and they told me to go home and bake cookies. Oh yeah. There was so, a lot of that going around. Yeah. yeah. So you they, showed they, them, huh? They boycotted <laughs> me out of the industry. So I, I went on to work three times harder and I, through the years I ended up either they retired or I bought them out or they shut down. So I'm now, uh, you rock. The only one standing. You rock. You know, in, in, in my last <laughs> life, um, we uh, I was second in command of a, a big company. Uh, the height of the company um, it was a $1.5 billion company. And we were like the McDonald's of the travel industry. We franchised travel agencies. And we had a franchisee in Ohio who was in the insurance business. And he saw a natural synergy between people that he served in the insurance, you know, that were his clients in the insurance business. And every time he talked with one of his clients, they were going somewhere or, you know, thinking about going somewhere or just come back from somewhere. And he was always mailing out statements and other things to his clients. So how easy would it have been to pop into that statement uh, some travel brochures and whatnot. So he decided he was going to do that. And um, he did the same thing you did. He wound up buying every insurance company in his region, but he didn't change any of the names. So if you called, <laughs> there were like a dozen different insurance companies in that area of Ohio. You called any one of them, you were getting him and his company you know, his staff, but everyone was under a different name. Most people didn't realize it was all him. Did you change the names of these places and make them all up an umbrella? No, I did, I, I did not. My reputation was far better than theirs, so I didn't want to be associated, and and I, I fought really hard um, to promote better service, and that's, that's why I was able to um, take most of their business away. So I changed... But, you know, I changed the name to each one of the locations to RV Sales of Broward. And do you only carry one brand or do you sell multiple brands of manufactured RVs? Um, my business model is a little bit different now. Uh, back, uh, you know, in, in 2008 when everything kind of went crazy, um, I actually was doing very well. We had, in 2007, we had just grossed over $20 million in sales. I was the number one dealer in the country. And I was on fire, and then, and I'm still going. I sued them, and I'm still going. And uh, so my new business model, I, I'm, uh, I do a lot of, I do a lot of used, um, I do a lot of dealer trading. I represent only one new manufacturer right now, Forest River, uh, but okay. I can get anything. And I, all right, well, we're going to take a quick break and come back. Um, renting or buying an RV? We want to get into that. We'll be right back.
portions of today's show brought to you by Curacao, offering vacationers cultural experiences wrapped in history and charming traditional European architecture, a UNESCO World Heritage City on a southern Caribbean island with coves, beaches, and over 60 dive and snorkeling sites. Curacao, feel it for yourself. Visit curacao.com. Your U.S. passport is the key to your international adventures abroad and is the most secure travel document that proves both citizenship and identity. The State Department's official website, travel.state.gov, has comprehensive information about applying for a passport for the first time, renewing a passport, passports for minors, fees, and much more. You can apply at over 8,000 passport acceptance facilities, including post offices and clerks of court. Standard processing is currently four to six weeks, and expedited service takes two to three weeks. If you need your passport in less than two weeks, call 1-877-487-2778 to schedule an appointment at one of our regional passport agencies. Once you have your passport, sign up for our Smart Traveler Enrollment Program and download our Smart Traveler app on your smartphone. You will receive country-specific information, travel alerts, and warnings. Visit us at travel.state.gov today. Movie show travel itineraries with dots on maps. I want to do better than that and take you traveling by TV. Hi, this is Stephanie Abrams. Join me on Sundays on my new show, Travel TV with Stephanie Abrams, airing coast to coast when it's 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Plan to sit right beside me. We'll explore travel for fun, business, reunions, weddings, honeymoons, families, and sports adventures, reaching homes in Boston, New York City, Miami, Orlando, Tampa, Dallas, Houston, Nashville, Las Vegas, Los Angeles, and more cities across America. Our affiliate TV stations are listed at sabrams.com slash blog. That's s-a-b-r-a-m-s dot com slash blog and at biztv.com. Let's take off traveling together when it's 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Sundays. Ah, Curacao, the island that offers vacationers 55 different cultures wrapped in history and charming traditional European architecture like those you'd find in the Netherlands, but dressed in Southern Caribbean sherbet colors. Curacao's capital city, Willemstead, is a UNESCO World Heritage City waiting for you to explore its many attractions. And when you've whipped up an appetite and thirst after sightseeing and visiting your choice of over 60 dive and snorkeling sites complete with intimate coves and beaches, you'll find a wide variety of sidewalk cafes, gourmet restaurants, local eateries, and markets to satisfy every palate. Slide into Curacao's live and let live way of life. Curacao, feel it for yourself. Visit curacao.com or call toll free 800-328-7222. That's 800-328-7222. The magic is happening at Yankee Candle Village in South Deerfield, Mass. One of New England's most popular attractions, the village is a unique entertaining world of fun, fantasy, food, and fragrance for the whole family. It's also the world's largest candle shop, where kids and grown-ups can make their own candles. The village is home to the enchanting Black Forest, where it snows year-round. Santa's Workshop, where he welcomes visitors every day of the year. And the Bavarian Christmas Village, filled with sparkling holiday ornaments. 
In addition to over 400,000 candles, you'll find toys, gifts, and more from great names like Pandora and Vera Bradley. And with tasty treats from Yankee Candy, Fresh Fudge, and Popcornopolis, every day is a holiday. Or sit down with the family for a wonderful meal at the award-winning Chandler's Restaurant. Yankee Candle Village in South Deerfield, Mass., where families come for the candles and stay for the fun. Take the Mass Pike to I-91, exit 24. Rumors. Stephanie Abrams' novel of secrets, lies, and conspiracies that ensnare the lives of ordinary people in a tightening web that all starts with rumors. Available at Amazon.com in print and Kindle formats and BarnesandNoble.com. Rumors by Stephanie Abrams, the perfect leisure time companion. Traveling soon? Got questions? Email Stephanie at Stephanie at S-A-B-R-A-M-S dot com. It's Travel with Stephanie Abrams. It's Travel with Stephanie Abrams. On the line with me is Gigi Stetler. She is the CEO of RV Sales of Broward. And um, if you've just joined us, you missed the part about how she is a pistol and um, has developed a business that has um, had her recognized as the biggest RV. uh, It's recreational vehicles, if you're unfamiliar with the term, um, RV uh, sales in the country. And um, that's the reason I wanted to have her on. The side benefit of that is that she is a woman who started in this industry at the age of 24 and was kind of looked down at and laughed at and not treated very well by what was otherwise a pretty much all-boy network. And uh, there's a lot of that goes on. I, I can relate to it, um, Gigi, because in my last life, yep. um, as the second in command of a $1.5 billion travel company, I was often in our board boardroom or in the conference room or boardroom of some uh, joint venture partner or company we were doing business with or whatever, and there might be anywhere from 10 to 20 people in that room, and I was often the, the only woman there. And for the most part, Um, the CEO of my company was amazingly pro-female. But that wasn't true about everybody we worked with. And there were people that felt like, well, if they weren't talking to him, there was no point in talking. (laughs) And and, and the funny part about it is he's saying, no, you got to talk to Stephanie. She handles that. I have nothing to do with that. (laughs) But but I'm hoping um, that we are moving farther along um, and um, the consciousness of people is being sufficiently raised so that the glass ceiling isn't you know, wrapped around our throats. But um, yeah, I know I get it. You know, we, we expand, every house we've ever had, we expanded. And in one of the expansions, the contractor went bust and I had to take over rounding up all the subcontractors and the the crew that's that was that worked for the contractor who now didn't have an employer and pay them directly and finish my house. And when I was done, the head foreman on the job looked at me. If he's still alive, Joe Graham, I'll never forget you, darling. I love you. Lived on Long Island. 
And Joe looked at me and said, you know, I would go into business with you. You are so good at this. But no crew is going to ex um, respect a woman coming on the job scene with um, a belt with tools hanging off of it. So it's not going to work. And I had no interest in that, you understand. I just want to get my house done. But that kind of pre-prejudiced thinking is dreadful. And, you know, my mother was a Rosie, Rosie the Riveter in World War II. She built airplanes at Glen L. Martin until the men came home after World War II, and then women weren't in those jobs anymore. And so, you know, there's a lot that women can do that stereotypes, you know, kind of shun. So bravo to you to, you know, be in <laughs> Thank such you. a... Thank you. It is still going on, but it's okay. I, 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 I look past that. <laughs> well, that's a good thing. So let's talk about um, the RVs themselves. Uh, some of them are as glamorous and as expensive as buying a house, a very fashionable some, house. Some more. <laughs> some of them are around 2 to $3 million you can spend on them. You know, not very practical, but, you know, rock star buses or, you know, Prevost buses are somewhere between one and a half to $3 million. Yeah, that's not going to happen. I mean, you know, for not in our house. Yeah. I mean, you know, for for a rock star, for athletes, for a band, you know, for people that are using it for business, you know, or for the gloriously wealthy, uh, you know, that's fine. But that's a very narrow segment of the population. Um, it is. It is. But that's not my. That's not my market. But I mean, a good. You can you can get a good camper for for your family uh, from twenty five thousand. Even you know some used ones for less than that. Um, you know, uh, if, and if you want to get into motorized, used from thirty thousand to one hundred and fifty thousand. You know, uh, you know in the used market, some new ones you can buy in that in that price range. So prices are all over the place. And you know, you had mentioned something earlier about you know should people rent or buy or what do they buy? And um, I started a company called the RV Advisor, which is exactly what it. It means we advise people. It's a non-biased platform nationally to advise people on how to buy an RV um, and what to look for and, you know, and basically advise them because people make so many mistakes buying the wrong one or dealing with the wrong dealer and things like that. So, so um, we, one of our biggest recommendations is to shop local and do business with your local dealer because you're going to need service and, you know, and things. So you want, you want to support your local dealer you know, and you want to be able to have, have it serviced. So that's the first place I, I, I advise customers to start with. Okay, so whether you're, uh, well, I, I'm, I'm sure that renting an RV, you look for different things than when you're buying something because there's an investment involved and it's not just something for a week or a month, it's something for, you know, long-term usage. But if, if there are people in my audience, and I happen to be one of them, because there are two trips, it's actually one trip, I'd like to do it in one trip, that I would like to do. And one is to cross the U.S. on U.S. Route 20 that starts in Massachusetts and ends in Oregon and come back. Well, that would not be a rental recommendation. <laughs> and no, 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 not at all. And then um, I'd like to I'd like to go from Massachusetts out to Oregon on 20, and then I'd like to drive south through Oregon and California, and I'd like to come back on Route 66 
and pick it up wherever in the southwest and drive it up to towards Chicago and then come across unless we go right across the south through Louisiana and Alabama and the Florida Panhandle and make a left turn and go north on I-95 and go back to Massachusetts. Make a great big square. Um, unless we do that up the Mississippi story to um, Chicago, which means we would be crossing the northern route in the summer and the southern route in the late fall winter. So, because the snow and weather in the north in the uh, in the winter and the heat and the deserts and whatnot in the south in the summer, I want to make sure we were fitting the right season with the route. And I would love to do that um, in a camper of some sort, of, you know, a recreational vehicle. Not something you have to set up every night for that kind of trip, because that'll wear me out. But, you know, <laughs> but, but um, yeah, I mean, because, you know, there's another thing. You know, when you go camping, and my, my husband was an Eagle Scout, and his father was the Scoutmaster, and it was essential that I camp, you see. That came with the contract. So there is nothing uckier, nothing uckier than packing down canvas equipment and other equipment and whatever in the morning, either when it's raining or when it rained all night. And then you have to pack it up and move on. And when you take it out, maybe you've driven out of the storm area into the sunshine and everything smells mildew and it's wet and disgusting. I mean, that's no, that's that is not for me. So, you know, I need, I don't need camping and, you know, going to campgrounds and whatnot. I don't need absolute luxury, but I, there's certain levels beneath which I will not go. <laughs> so, no, they've come a long way. And, you know, you're talking pop up campers and, and I mean, a lot of, you know, first time buyers start with I, I sold more pop-ups in my lifetime and than you can imagine and but it's a first time buyer uh camper to start with a pop-up and within a few months or a year or so they trade up to the next one on a you know a travel trailer and then a bigger travel trailer and then a fifth wheel and then a motor home and then a bigger motor home and it's kind of you know it's like the bigger boat syndrome but it's there's something for everyone and and you know there's luxury luxury camping and you don't even have to spend that much they just have so many amenities everything's electric on it now so you push buttons the slides go out you push buttons the awnings go out you push buttons the jacks go down um you push buttons the fridge and all the appliances light up and there's you literally don't have to do any of the stuff that you you know experience in a pop-up they're they're just they're amazing you are fully self-contained now uh without doing anything uh some of them with generators on board you push the button and you can literally live in a parking lot uh if you wanted to or uh, you know or on the beach or uh, under some beautiful trees it's it's just so amazing that that you know how far the the uh, they've they've come and and that the, the thing about renting is the only reason i suggest to rent is because you don't as a first-time buyer you don't really know what you want so you want to try a couple of different models out it's more for that before you buy so you don't buy the wrong the wrong camper because the first one you go in is definitely not going to be the, the camper of your lifetime. Well, the thing so that, that's why I recommend you know, it to rent. And the, we've had on the people from uh, Campgrounds of America, and we've had on uh, some campground owners that have, you know, 
it's like a theme park where you go in, you know, it's, there's all kinds of, you know, big oh, yeah. swimming pools and, you know, it's, there's all kinds of great activities and things for the family. The amenities, you never have to leave the park, right? You well, exactly. The amenities inside the campground. Yeah, you don't have to leave. And so, you know, at this particular time, you know, even though we've talked about these places, we've talked about yurts and, you know, other things, vocabulary I had to learn um, related to being able to just drive somewhere, pull up and, you know, rent space that is already there at the campground. But that would defeat the purpose of the person who has not reached the point of be really feeling confident that the place they're going to stay for lodging is as clean as they would like it to be from the point of view of not that the eye doesn't see an immaculate place, but the things you need a microscope to see may not be as well, well taken I'll care have, of as you but, hoped. But they now, campgrounds are now rated uh, like hotels from one star to five star. They also, campgrounds have 360 views now when, if you go on their website. So you literally can 360 view the entire campground and pick the spot and they're, and they're in real-time view, so you can I'm not talking about that. that you want. No, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the person today who is not entirely convinced that um, an inn, a guest house, a and b a hotel, a motel, a lodging of some sort, um, even a luxury place, because of all they've been pounded with, because they're washing their hands a thousand times a day. Because they're ah, gotcha. overwrought from what has descended upon us since the world shut down in March. And that's how we wound up in Ireland unable to get home yet. Um, which is not a bad thing, by the way. You know, I don't have children. I don't have parents. <laughs> I don't have anybody to worry about at home. Everybody's capable of taking care of themselves at this point. But for many people, um, you know, there is a psychological runoff of, yeah, they tell me they're doing all this stuff, but what if somebody was, had a hot date today and left a little early and didn't do everything they were supposed to? I mean, you know, these exactly. are the lingering things that I'm hearing. And that's why I thought it was important that we talk about, you don't have to stop traveling because you're afraid to go into a hotel. So for that, and, exactly. and there are exactly. people who will welcome the uh, opportunity not to travel to cities, but to travel to the countryside, to travel to the mountains, to travel to the seashore, to travel to wide open spaces and bring, the, bring their lodging facility and their meal preparation facility with them in exactly. a comfortable recreational vehicle. We're going to take a quick commercial break and come back. I want to hear your tips on how do you decide what to get besides, you know, the budget making the final decision. We'll be right back. Don't leave me.
Your U.S. passport is the key to your international adventures abroad and is the most secure travel document that proves both citizenship and identity. The State Department's official website, travel.state.gov, has comprehensive information about applying for a passport for the first time, renewing a passport, passports for minors, fees, and much more. You can apply at over 8,000 passport acceptance facilities, including post offices and clerks of court. Standard processing is currently four to six weeks, and expedited service takes two to three weeks. If you need your passport in less than two weeks, call 1-877-487-2778 to schedule an appointment at one of our regional passport agencies. Once you have your passport, sign up for our Smart Traveler Enrollment Program and download our Smart Traveler app on your smartphone. You will receive country-specific information, travel alerts, and warnings. Visit us at travel.state.gov today. Rumors, Stephanie Abrams' novel of secrets, lies, and conspiracies that ensnare the lives of ordinary people in a tightening web that all starts with rumors. Available at Amazon.com in print and Kindle formats and BarnesandNoble.com. Rumors by Stephanie Abrams, the perfect leisure time companion. Traveling soon? Got questions? Email Stephanie at Stephanie at S-A-B-R-A-M-S dot com. It's Travel with Stephanie Abrams. The magic is happening at Yankee Candle Village in South Deerfield, Mass. One of New England's most popular attractions, the village is a unique entertaining world of fun, fantasy, food, and fragrance for the whole family. It's also the world's largest candle shop, where kids and grown-ups can make their own candles. The village is home to the enchanting Black Forest, where it snows year-round. Santa's Workshop, where he welcomes visitors every day of the year. And the Bavarian Christmas Village, filled with sparkling holiday ornaments. In addition to over 400,000 candles, you'll find toys, gifts, and more from great names like Pandora and Vera Bradley. And with tasty treats from Yankee Candy, Fresh Fudge, and Popcornopolis, every day is a holiday. Or sit down with the family for a wonderful meal at the award-winning Chandler's Restaurant. Yankee Candle Village in South Deerfield, Mass. Where families come for the candles and stay for the fun. Take the Mass Pike to I-91, exit 24. Movie show travel itineraries with dots on maps. I want to do better than that and take you traveling by TV. Hi, this is Stephanie Abrams. Join me on Sundays on my new show, Travel TV with Stephanie Abrams, airing coast to coast when it's 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Plan to sit right beside me. We'll explore travel for fun, business, reunions, weddings, honeymoons, families, and sports adventures, reaching homes in Boston, New York City, Miami, Orlando, Tampa, Dallas, Houston, Nashville, Las Vegas, Los Angeles, and more cities across America. Our affiliate TV stations are listed at sabrams.com slash blog. That's s-a-b-r-a-m-s dot com slash blog and at biztv.com. Let's take off traveling together when it's 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Sundays. Mm -hmm. 
Ah, Curacao, the island that offers vacationers 55 different cultures wrapped in history and charming traditional European architecture like those you'd find in the Netherlands, but dressed in Southern Caribbean sherbet colors. Curacao's capital city, Willemstad, is a UNESCO World Heritage City waiting for you to explore its many attractions. And when you've whipped up an appetite and thirst after sightseeing and visiting your choice of over 60 dive and snorkeling sites complete with intimate coves and beaches, you'll find a wide variety of sidewalk cafes, gourmet restaurants, local eateries, and markets to satisfy every palate. Slide into Curacao's live and let live way of life. Curacao, feel it for yourself. Visit curacao.com or call toll free 800-328-7222. That's 800-328-7222. It's travel with Stephanie Abrams. I'm delighted to have Gigi Stetler on the line with me. Gigi is the CEO of RV Sales of Broward. If you're just joining us and you don't know what RV means, it's recreational vehicles. And they come in all shapes and sizes and all budget ranges. And they're available for rental. They're available for sale. Um, there are two questions I would like to get answers to in the four and a half minutes we have in this segment. One is, you mentioned earlier something about you can buy a resale. For somebody who has bought an RV, and it's time for them to either trade up or decide like boat owners, you know, I had that experience, I'm done, I just want to sell it and I'm not doing this again because we've done it for years and um, our life circumstances and lifestyle has changed. Whatever the reasons, I want to sell it. Is there a decent um, residual value in um, an RV? And I'm talking apples to apples rather than, you know, if you beat it to pieces and it's disgusting and broken down and ripped up and in disrepair, don't expect much. But if you've used an RV for your family, um, for yourself, for a period of time, is the resale value there? Yes. Yes. The, um, you know, they, the prices on new ones go up every year um, substantially. And right now, and it's always supply and demand. Right now, there's more demand than supply. So um, it's driving the prices up. Um, but if you get a good four, five, six years use out of out of an RV, and and uh, and you still get possibly half to three quarters of what you paid for it. You know, you could not pay for a vacation for one year for what you know what that money is. So there's you know, it, it's like renting versus buying. If you bought something, you, you always have something to sell, and you have to maintain it. There, you know, they do require maintenance. So if you maintain it and you keep it clean and 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 check your seals and and caulking and you know stuff like that and make sure they don't leak you're fine you're it will last you a very long time a really long time you'll get a lot out of it and you have something to sell at the end okay so what should we look for how how does somebody um whether they've ever been camping or you know traveling on road trips before and i really believe this is going to be 2020 2021, even 2022, there are going to be more and more people who decide to travel 
who are not interested in going to an airport, getting in an airplane, or staying in a hotel in any combination of the above. So I think that destinations within the United States are going to be the big beneficiaries of those travelers visiting. And the question is, what do you look for? How do you, other than saying, you know, this is what we can afford, um, what Um, are you looking for? Good question. Um, We actually have had more first-time buyers um, in the last two weeks since since our state opened up um, than I've had in my 33 years of, of, of business. So uh, what I tell a customer, a first-time buyer, because they don't know what they want. They don't know if they want to tow one. They don't know if they want to drive one. They don't know anything. So the first thing I, I, I ask them, it's almost like an interview. So you've, you've got to write down or, you know, of, of thoughts of what's important to you, you know, and, and your family size and how many people you're going to sleep, your, your, you know, your budget, whether you're financing or paying, paying cash. So those are questions that you really need to kind of narrow down before you walk into a dealership because, you know, some, uh, some salesmen are going to sell you whatever they want to get rid of on their lot, and it may not be the right one for your family. So ask yourself, jot down those questions and ask yourself those questions first so that you can narrow down and, and you know, you've got to know what, if, you're, if you want to tow it, what type of tow vehicle you have and what it's rated to tow. So that's the first question. And I recommend towing something rather than driving something because, you know, yeah, you don't have to take trailer, this big thing you can with you everywhere you go. Disconnect the trailer. Right. You could disconnect the trailer, put, you know, and drive around and, and sightsee, and, and the camper is, is left in the campground. You know, if you have a motorhome, you either got to tow a car or you're stuck taking the motorhome off to the, to the, to the general store. So those are questions that you got to figure oh, out yeah. your lifestyle and what you, you know, and when you're driving the something that, that you want. You're driving something of a fair size, you know, it becomes impractical to try to find a place to park it when you go somewhere. So, well, you know, the campgrounds are bigger now. You know, they're all accommodating at least 32 to 34. I'm not talking about the campgrounds. I'm talking about you set up in some camp, you know, you pull yourself into some campground area. And now you want to go into town to the supermarket. You want to go to the movies. You want to go, you know, sightsee or whatever. In, In many places, especially when you get into towns, there's no place really to find a spot to park a car, let alone park an RV. So it's very nice to be able to exactly. leave the RV, get in your car, and then go off and do the things you want to do. Well, we've run out of, of time. I want you to stay on the line with me. Everybody else, thank you for joining us today. We're flying high. You're listening to an encore presentation during Stephanie's Corona Voyage interviews. Thank you for being with us today. This has been probably your worst nightmare of the Chinese curse, which is kind of a critical thing to say at this point, isn't it? Uh, May you live in interesting times? I don't know. (laughs) Dull works for me, really. (laughs) I make my own mischief. I don't need any external input of um, craziness. And Lord, I hope we've seen it all and we are on the mend. Um, This is 4th of July weekend. We are always celebrating two things. The weekend that wraps around the 4th of July, even when it comes out midweek. And the two things we celebrate are America's birthday 
and our anniversary because it was the first Sunday in July 2002 that we went on the air for the first time with a one-hour show, Travel with Stephanie Abrams, which grew into three hours for each show and two shows just on radio. And now the hour TV show, we're now in our third year. But as of this weekend, we enter our 19th year on the air. Who can believe that? With the same team, by the way. <laughs> uh, David, I met David Isby in May of 2002 uh, as the end of the rainbow trail I was on to find a producer because, well, I can give you expert opinions and things in travel from here to doomsday, which we may be sitting in right now. But... Um, when it comes to actual radio technology, I needed to find somebody who could take care of all that good stuff. And that is our wonderful, now senior producer for a number of years, David Isby, a veteran of the radio industry, who was just a wee laddie when I met him. <laughs> but we hit it off, there was great chemistry. I have enormous respect and admiration for him. And I feel sorry for him because after 18 full years of working with me, plus two extra months starting in May of 2002 before we went on the air in July 2002, he's still trying to teach me what five seconds means. <laughs> and I'll be the first to attest to that. They say I make an Olympic sport of using every second. So thank you so much for joining us this weekend. I am, if you're just joining us for the first time or you've been under a rock somewhere or you've been stranded somewhere and finally got home, uh, although you probably could have been listening to your radio station online, most of them air, um, they stream live at their own website or at iTunes or TuneIn Radio, and we're picked up by every podcaster. Name the podcaster, they're carrying us. It's wonderful. So you can't lose us. Well, you could try, but... Just go to Google, put in radio show, travel expert. You can't lose me. We dominate the first page of results. But I'm, I'm really optimistic because it's just part of my nature. And I guess it's part of, you know, what comes along with being in the travel industry. We have survived in my lifetime in the travel industry so much. Um, hijackings and skyjackings in the 1976-80s, um, terrorism in Europe that people forget about in 1985. One thing after another. The hijacking of the uh, Achille Laro, or do, we, do you call it a seajacking? Horrible story. Um, somebody shot at the Pope, the uh, Athens-Rome flight. Um, twice in that year, once in February and once in November, people rolled hand grenades places. One in Rome Airport in November 1985, one in um, a tavern frequented by American soldiers just outside of Madrid. <clears throat> I mean, we've been through it all. We have seen the impact of the Gulf War and the recession between 1989 and 1992, the, the effects of 2001 for probably 30 to 36 months. 
during that period between 9-11 and about three years later, you could have stayed in the fanciest hotel in New York City for about $250 a night. A couple years later, you couldn't get into the same hotels under $850 or more. A regular standard room was going for $1,200 in some of the fancy hotels in New York City. And then there was the fiasco of the banking industry that impacted the world or had impact on the world, but I guess it impacted the world at the same time. From 2008 to almost 2013, and we just crawled out of that and look what we got going on now. But I guess the lesson is we crawled out of all of that. And we are marooned in Ireland, couldn't get home in March, still here. Think we're going home this month, but not very positive about that yet. I'll, know, I'll believe it when I get on the plane. Very happy in County Antrim in Northern Ireland, about a mile up the road from the Irish Sea. And on that corner is a hotel. On the corner of the Irish Sea and Cairn Castle Road is the Ballygally Castle Hotel, where you see parts of the castle and the original piece of the original castle wall built in the early 1600s. And it's still there, withstanding time. And so will the travel industry. We will all get over this and past this, I promise you that. Every time we think it, the world has come to an end, we, we're resilient people, aren't we? The big thing is that being sequestered and being pounded upon with the dangers of the world, particularly for very young people, who I suspect many have been traumatized by this, we need to focus on what is the future and what's being done right now to give you confidence to travel. And I am so blessed, truly, given how busy everybody is putting the travel industry in order to not only give you the perception, but the reality of an environment that you can visit, places you can stay, and have confidence that every meticulously paid attention to detail is being cared about and cared for to protect your health while you are traveling. And for that purpose, I've invited Chip Rogers, the president and CEO of the American Hotel and Lodging Association based in Washington, D.C., on the air. And I am, I, I am so delighted he was able to make time because generosity of time in this very busy period is not an easy proposition. So we're going to be talking by telephone. We in County Antrim, Northern Ireland, with Chip Rogers in Washington, D.C., right after this. Portions of today's show brought to you by Curacao, offering vacationers cultural experiences wrapped in history and charming traditional European architecture, a UNESCO World Heritage City on a southern Caribbean island with coves, beaches, and over 60 dive and snorkeling sites. Curacao, feel it for yourself. Visit curacao.com. I am... Um... I am really thrilled to have on the line with us Chip Rogers. Uh, Chip is the president and CEO of the American Hotel and Lodging Association. And you can 
visit their website at ahla.com. If you're driving or you're in your kitchen up to your elbows and ingredients or you're out digging around your garden with your radio beside you or listening to a podcast once this broadcast is finished, um, know that at sabrams.com, S-A-B-R-A-M-S.com, you will find show notes and links to the relevant websites of all of our guests, including that of the American Hotel and Lodging Association. I want to thank you so very, very much for making the time for us, Chip. This, How long have you been, A, associated with American Hotel and Lodging Association? And did you come in as the president and CEO, or did you come in and work your way through whatever to get there? Great question. Thanks for, thanks for asking. So I have been at AHLA since January of 2019, so um, about a year and a half. Um, and I did come in as president and CEO. I previously been president and CEO of another association, a, a hotel owners association, for about five years prior to coming to AHLA. So I've been in the business for quite some time and, and made the transition back in the beginning of 2019. You know, you could read the telephone book and I would listen to it all day. <laughs> they don't make those anymore, right? You have to go online you have to, to look go for find everything. one. <laughs> Yeah, take take a, a a geometry an algebra book off the shelf and read me logarithm tables. It's fine. Um, you know, you your background, of course, coming out of a hotel owners association lends itself well to the American Hotel and Lodging Association leadership. Who are your members? So our members really make up anyone and everyone that, that touches the industry. And so you, you might think of the large brands that, that everybody knows. And so all the major brands are part of AHLA, but it's also the owners uh, of those brands. It is the management companies that, that manage those uh, hotels. And of course, anyone who sells products or services to our industry. So kind of the entire hotel ecosphere uh, is, is part of our association. We have uh, 20 over 27,000 members. Of course um, you do. So, so, um, and it's all U.S. based, but of course, many of the brands have have global businesses, and so what happens around the world certainly impacts them. But, but we do represent their interests in America. We're going to take a quick commercial break and come back talking with Chip Rogers, President and CEO of the American Hotel and Lodging Association. Listen to these important messages and don't leave me. This is Stephanie Abrams, live from County Antrim in Northern Ireland. you got to come here, people. It's amazing. We'll be right back. travel itineraries with dots on maps. I want to do better than that and take you traveling by TV. Hi, this is Stephanie Abrams. Join me on Sundays on my new show, Travel TV with Stephanie Abrams, airing coast to coast when it's 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Plan to sit right beside me. 
We'll explore travel for fun, business, reunions, weddings, honeymoons, families, and sports adventures, reaching homes in Boston, New York City, Miami, Orlando, Tampa, Dallas, Houston, Nashville, Las Vegas, Los Angeles, and more cities across America. Our affiliate TV stations are listed at sabrams.com slash blog. That's S-A-B-R-A-M-S dot com slash blog and at biztv.com. Let's take off traveling together when it's 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Sundays. The magic is happening at Yankee Candle Village in South Deerfield, Mass. One of New England's most popular attractions, the village is a unique entertaining world of fun, fantasy, food, and fragrance for the whole family. It's also the world's largest candle shop where kids and grown-ups can make their own candles. The village is home to the enchanting Black Forest, where it snows year-round. Santa's Workshop, where he welcomes visitors every day of the year. And the Bavarian Christmas Village, filled with sparkling holiday ornaments. In addition to over 400,000 candles, you'll find toys, gifts, and more from great names like Pandora and Vera Bradley. And with tasty treats from Yankee Candy, Fresh Fudge, and Popcornopolis, every day is a holiday. Or sit down with the family for a wonderful meal at the award-winning Chandler's Restaurant. Yankee Candle Village in South Deerfield, Mass. Where families come for the candles and stay for the fun. Take the Mass Pike to I-91, exit 24. Ah, Curacao, the island that offers vacationers 55 different cultures wrapped in history and charming traditional European architecture like those you'd find in the Netherlands, but dressed in Southern Caribbean sherbet colors. Curacao's capital city, Willemstead, is a UNESCO World Heritage City waiting for you to explore its many attractions. And when you've whipped up an appetite and thirst after sightseeing and visiting your choice of over 60 dive and snorkeling sites complete with intimate coves and beaches, you'll find a wide variety of sidewalk cafes, gourmet restaurants, local eateries, and markets to satisfy every palate. Slide into Curacao's live and let live way of life. Curacao, feel it for yourself. Visit curacao.com or call toll-free 800-328-7222. That's 800-328-7222. Your U.S. passport is the key to your international adventures abroad and is the most secure travel document that proves both citizenship and identity. The State Department's official website, travel.state.gov, has comprehensive information about applying for a passport for the first time, renewing a passport, passports for minors, fees, and much more. You can apply at over 8,000 passport acceptance facilities, including post offices and clerks of court. Standard processing is currently four to six weeks, and expedited service takes two to three weeks. If you need your passport in less than two weeks, call 1-877-487-2778 to schedule an appointment at one of our regional passport agencies. Once you have your passport, sign up for our Smart Traveler Enrollment Program and download our Smart Traveler app on your smartphone. You will receive country-specific information, travel alerts, and warnings. Visit us at travel.state.gov today.
It's travel with Stephanie Abrams. On the line with me live from Washington, D.C. is Chip Rogers. Chip is the president and CEO of the American Hotel and Lodging Association. I want to know a little bit more about you. Um, You indicated that before you came in about a year and a half ago as president and CEO of AHLA, the American Hotel and Lodging Association, you were the heading up an organization of hotel owners. What did you do before that, and how long were you there at that place, wherever that was? So I, I did serve there as president and CEO for almost almost five years. I uh, served for about a, a year as the vice president. Um, before that, I was actually in elected office. So. I, I did a, a lifetime, what it seemed like a lifetime anyway, a decade, as an, an elected official uh, in my home state of Georgia. What so, you do? Um, what were you? A, a state senator. And my last two terms in office, I had the joy of serving as the majority leader, which uh, is you know a position that, that carries a lot of weight with it, but it's also one of those positions that... <laughs> That you don't necessarily uh, enjoy your job so much, which is probably what what led me to to move on. Um, but um, you know, as I look back, it was it was an enjoyable time. I think anytime you engage in public service, you feel like you can can do some positive things to help people. Um, you enjoy that. But politics is a, it, it's a dangerous game. It's no, a, really it's a tough game. Yeah, <laughs> no uh, and you know, you do it, you move on. Well, you know, but there are a lot of similarities in terms of the skill set needed to be a senator, a congressman, a state senator. Um, the the skill set needed to do the job right, that statesmanly air that... I met a guy once, he was... Um, he was some. He was a big shot at the International Franchise Association. I can't remember his name at all. I'm going to do a little research and dig it up. He was very active in membership organizations, and one of the things that made this guy so good at what he did was that he was a mountain climber, and he climbed some really serious mountains like Everest and Kilimanjaro, and you know, name the place somewhere in Asia. You know, he went off to the Himalayas to climb. And so the, they, he was described as unflappable. And there is something wonderful about people who can keep a level head or at least make other people think that they are. <laughs> right. You know, there's some stability in their thinking and, you know, they're, they're, they're keeping control of the situation. They may be jumping up and down inside, but you're not seeing that. And there is something about logic and rational dealing rationality and dealing with people and situations and lord knows in the travel industry we are affected by you know somebody sneezes literally as you see with this virus somebody sneezes on the other side of the world and it affects the entire world of travel let alone other things so um you know i can see where your unique background really put you in the right position to deal in a membership organization. It's marvelous. Go you. I'm really impressed. I don't say that too often, by the way. (laughs) Honest to God. And I interview some of the most important people in the travel industry in the world all the time. But, um, you know, you and I really have to get to know each other better. 
Well, I look forward to that, especially when you can get back stateside or, or I can come you to think? Ireland or wherever, wherever uh, you are. <laughs> I'm going to have a tough time leaving here, by the way. I mean, I, I, I get tears in my eyes just thinking about it, and that's God's honest truth. I am, I am happier than we have the right to be. Thank God we're healthy, we're comfortable, we're in a lovely 1700s farmhouse in a gorgeous area of the globe, let alone a gorgeous section of the island that is Ireland. It's just beautiful here. And um, and I'm going to really miss it when we have to go. So uh, I don't know. If I can figure out a way to, you know, not go, I might just stay here because clearly <laughs> we can get the job done of everything we always do, no matter where we are. So, you know, that's kind of a joyous thing. So at the moment... Um, the hotels in Ireland, in the Republic of Ireland, will be opening effective July 20th. Um, I have gotten emails from all kinds of hoteliers and organizations all over the world that, you know, these people are open June 1st, those are opening August something, these are opening some other times. Is there a, a date that we're focused on for the reopening of American hotels? Because I'm, I'm, all my news is 24 hours old at least because I'm getting it from YouTube. Well, look, it's happening on a state-by-state basis. So if you are in Florida or Georgia or many of the southern states, um, those hotels have been fully op- open and operational for quite some time. I think it's important to remember that almost no hotels were forced to be fully shut down by the government. Um, they may have been only open to first responders. We'll be right back, people. Don't leave. Portions of today's show brought to you by Curacao, offering vacationers cultural experiences wrapped in history and charming traditional European architecture, a UNESCO World Heritage City on a southern Caribbean island with coves, beaches, and over 60 dive and snorkeling sites. Curacao, feel it for yourself. Visit curacao.com. Your U.S. passport is the key to your international adventures abroad and is the most secure travel document that proves both citizenship and identity. The State Department's official website, travel.state.gov, has comprehensive information about applying for a passport for the first time, renewing a passport, passports for minors, fees, and much more. You can apply at over 8,000 passport acceptance facilities, including post offices and clerks of court. Standard processing is currently four to six weeks, and expedited service takes two to three weeks. If you need your passport in less than two weeks, call one 487 2778 to schedule an appointment at one of our regional passport agencies. Once you have your passport, sign up for our Smart Traveler Enrollment Program and download our Smart Traveler app on your smartphone. You will receive country-specific information, travel alerts, and warnings. Visit us at travel.state.gov today. Movie show travel itineraries with dots on maps. I want to do better than that and take you traveling by TV. Hi, this is Stephanie Abrams. Join me on Sundays on my new show, Travel TV with Stephanie Abrams, airing coast to coast when it's 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Plan to sit right beside me. We'll explore travel for fun, business, reunions, weddings, honeymoons, families, and sports adventures, reaching homes in Boston, New York City, Miami, Orlando, Tampa, Dallas, Houston, Nashville, Las Vegas, Los Angeles, and more cities across America. Our affiliate TV stations are listed at sabrams.com slash blog. That's sabrams.com slash 
blog, and at biztv.com. Let's take off traveling together when it's 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Sundays. Ah, Curacao, the island that offers vacationers 55 different cultures wrapped in history and charming traditional European architecture like those you'd find in the Netherlands, but dressed in Southern Caribbean sherbet colors. Curacao's capital city, Willemstead, is a UNESCO World Heritage City waiting for you to explore its many attractions. And when you've whipped up an appetite and thirst after sightseeing and visiting your choice of over 60 dive and snorkeling sites complete with intimate coves and beaches, you'll find a a wide variety of sidewalk cafes, gourmet restaurants, local eateries, and markets to satisfy every palate. Slide into Curacao's live and let live way of life. Curacao, feel it for yourself. Visit curacao.com or call toll free 800-328-7222. That's 800-328-7222. The magic is happening at Yankee Candle Village in South Deerfield, Mass. One of New England's most popular attractions, the village is a unique entertaining world of fun, fantasy, food, and fragrance for the whole family. It's also the world's largest candle shop, where kids and grown-ups can make their own candles. The village is home to the enchanting Black Forest, where it snows year-round. Santa's Workshop, where he welcomes visitors every day of the year. And the Bavarian Christmas Village, filled with sparkling holiday ornaments. In addition to over 400,000 candles, you'll find toys, gifts, and more from great names like Pandora and Vera Bradley. And with tasty treats from Yankee Candy, Fresh Fudge, and Popcornopolis, every day is a holiday. Or sit down with the family for a wonderful meal at the award-winning Chandler's Restaurant. Yankee Candle Village in South Deerfield, Mass., where families come for the candles and stay for the fun. Take the Mass Pike to I-91, exit 24. Rumors, Stephanie Abrams' novel of secrets, lies, and conspiracies that ensnare the lives of ordinary people in a tightening web that all starts with rumors. Available at Amazon.com in print and Kindle formats and BarnesandNoble.com. Rumors by Stephanie Abrams, the perfect leisure time companion. Traveling soon? Got questions? Email Stephanie at Stephanie at SABRAMS.com. It's Travel with Stephanie Abrams. It's Travel with Stephanie Abrams. I am so thrilled to have Chip Rogers on the line with me. He is the president and CEO of the American Hotel and Lodging Association based in Washington, D.C. And I am, have you been watching late night TV and you see all these show hosts who have gorgeous set designs normally um, from someplace in their house? (laughs) John Oliver with his white wall behind him. (laughs) All the others, you know, in in front of some bookcase in their den or something. Well, um, we're set up so that my husband, who is producing, who does all the remote everything technical when we travel, um, he's set up in the dining room with all the equipment, and the wires run through the dining room into the kitchen, and there is a wonderful wooden, thick farmhouse door between the kitchen and dining room, and I'm in the kitchen. It's a beautiful kitchen, by the way. I'm very happy to be here, but my there's no 
cubby hole under there's no desk or anything in here so my knees are against the kitchen cabinet in order to have my stuff on the counter it's very odd chip i mean this really is a surreal thing but you know there are no complaints because who could believe we could you know with the normal equipment and a cell phone and by plugging it into the equipment that we have that jacks up the fidelity of the sound and and amplifies it and i don't know i'm out of my league when it comes to uh explaining how all this works the end result is honestly chip you sound like you're in the living room <laughs> well i i am in my living room well, but is, i'm just not in yours <laughs> this is a good thing so we yeah. were talking about the reopening of america as it relates to travel and hotels and that florida georgia some of the other southern states um didn't have a hard and fast shutdown kind of a story. What's happening in the rest of the nation? It's really opening uh, state by state. So places where the virus hit the worst, uh, New York City, uh, some places in California, a little bit slower to open. Uh, but as of right now, just about everywhere in the U.S. is open. There was some question about whether um, the hotels could allow in out-of-state visitors. Um, and that took a while to get past in, in a few major cities, but but I think we're past that now. So just about everybody across the country is open for business. Okay, so I'm um, I'm wondering about any kind of suggestions, guidance, recommendation, guidelines, protocol for some kind of setting a bar as a minimum that hoteliers should perform in order to be able to give confidence to travelers that every nook and cranny is being looked after. Is there anything universal going on? Because I have to tell you, Ireland just put out um, a manual on this is what you will do. I haven't seen it yet. I'm waiting for somebody to, that's very much involved that's the head of one of the task forces that the government put together, um, Elena Fitzgerald Kane. Her family owns three hotels uh, in um, County Cork, and uh, or maybe they're all in Limerick, I'm not, County Limerick, I'm somewhere around there. And she's also the president of the Irish Hotel Federation and was assigned to be the head, the chair, of a task force to develop the protocol of what the, the hoteliers, anybody receiving guests in the Republic of Ireland, this is what you gotta do. And I'm getting emails from, the first one I got was Palace Hotels and Resorts that are mostly in Mexico and Caribbean islands. Um, they put out an amazing, uh, it, 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 it's amazing, you know, the, what the lengths they're going to, including having their staff walk through this kind of a pup tent thing where they get sprayed down before they enter the hotel. I'm glad they're doing it, but you couldn't get me to walk through it. I mean, that would be the end of my career because I just wouldn't do that. But, but but it's wonderful, you know, that that's the beginning. They go through step by step what they're doing. So um, there are places that are you know, following a protocol that's set down from an organization or the government. How is this being done in the U.S.? How does a traveler know that this place is much more conscientious 
about swabbing down the decks than some other place, or is it all hit and miss? Well, we hope it's it's not hit and miss. We created what's known as safe stay, which which are the universally adopted guidelines. I think you, you in a way, referenced them. Um, we created this for the entire industry, recognizing, as you know, there are very small roadside motels. Uh, there are very large luxury resorts. And we wanted to make sure we had some level of cleaning and safety standards that could apply to all. Um, and then certain brands will go above and beyond depending on what type of hotel that they have. But we wanted to make sure everyone could adopt at least the baseline standards. And those standards um, we created alongside of uh, an organization called Ecolab, which of course is the large, one of the largest global cleaning companies in the world. And then we had the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control here in the U.S., review our guidelines to make sure that they were getting the job done. They reviewed them, suggested a couple of changes. We made those changes. And now it's it's universally been adopted uh, by the industry here in the U.S. So that's the purpose is to make sure that consumers know that hotels are a very safe and clean place to go. I received recently an email from a, um, I know all these guys. Um, I can't think of the name of the company, uh, the umbrella company, but um, it's a company in Ireland, in the Republic of Ireland, that owns half a dozen different hotels, and they are all wonderful hotels. Um, the only one with a brand name that anyone in the States would recognize would be when they, they own a Four Point Sheridan. There aren't many branded hotels in Ireland, uh, and where they are, they're generally in a place like Dublin or Galway or you know a big city, Belfast, because for the most part, it's all about you know tradition and family names and that kind of thing. But um, this organization now owns, I'm going to say six, maybe seven hotels from Dublin to Galway and everything in between. And I got this email just about the Hudson, H-O-D-S-O-N, not Hudson, Hudson Bay Hotel in Athlone, which is if you drew a map over, uh, not a map, if you took a map of the Republic of Ireland and you drew a target, like an archery target or a shooting range target over it, Athlone would be the bullseye. It is dead center in Ireland, halfway between Dublin and Galway, and pretty much halfway between, you know, north and south in Ireland. And I was really impressed with what they sent out, um, showing what they are doing at the Hudson Bay Hotel. And I'm seeing, one of the things that I've seen from that I saw from a couple of other hoteliers who sent me what they're doing. There seems to be a great move to paperless check-in and being able to check into your hotel on your mobile phone and check out the same way. So you don't have to touch anything. You don't have to go to a front desk. You're not going to pick up a pen somebody else just used. Nobody's going to be within three feet of your face. Um, are you seeing that happening? Is that among the guidelines being recommended? It is. Contactless is, is kind of the new buzzword, right? Whether it's for check-in or food delivery or even getting your food from what used to be a buffet. I mean, it, contactless is in. The good news is, is that we didn't have to create this technology as an industry at the time the pandemic hit. It had been around for quite some time. In fact, you know, major hotel companies wanted people to begin using the mobile check-in uh, because, frankly, it saves money and it saves time. And, and for most people, it's a better experience. So 
So it's been around for a while, but uh, we certainly expect that the usage of it will become almost universal um, as we go through this pandemic phase. And, and then people will be comfortable with it and hopefully use it from then on. Well, no kidding. I can't tell you how many times, um, especially in places that get large crowds of guests, either because they are the most popular piece of furniture in the destination or because they're close to the airport or some big attraction or something. And you get to a place after traveling what feels like a million hours, you know, worn out, bedraggled, half asleep, don't know what time zone you're in. And then you're standing in a line in the lobby, or as they call it on this side of the ocean, uh, in reception, waiting for attention just to check in. When in fact, you could check in on your phone and you could have been doing that the last 20 years or more. So, um, you know, it's, it's brilliant. I mean, it makes so much sense. One of the other things they sent was, and I don't understand it yet. I have to talk with the general manager, managing director or whatever his fancy title is, Tim Hayes over at the Hudson Bay hotel about it. They, um, every, each person is, uh, well, you're given something that you don't, it's touchless to unlock the door to your room. It's not a key. It's something nobody's, it's virgin, something nobody's touched before. And you, I don't know, I don't know what the deal is. I have to really get an explanation on that. But then to turn the, 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 the handles in that hotel are not round doorknobs. They're like, you know, an L-shaped thing coming. The, the, the bottom of the L is the part protruding out from the door. And then it either goes left or right from there. And you grab that sucker and turn it down and normally. But they give you some little hook-like device that you put over the handle to open the door. So you don't have to worry that somebody decided to walk down a hallway and touch every door, doorknob along the route. Um, I just found all these little, you know, interesting almost little tricky things. Um, fascinating. Can you share with us any of the things that are in the guidelines um, other than paperless, contactless check-in that would, uh, that, you know, you guys devised at the American Hotel and Lodging Association for your members to give consideration to instituting. And if you've just joined us, we're talking with Chip Rogers, the president and CEO of the American Hotel and Lodging Association based in Washington, D.C., with just about around 27,000 members, of course. So talk to me. What, what else have you recommended people do or, you know, hoteliers do? Well, look, we created a checklist, and, and so while I don't know that there's anything unique uh, on that checklist, um, it is important because you want to make sure that no matter which hotel you're checking into, kind of the standard procedure exactly. for, for cleaning a room and, 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 and what's happening in the in the reception, as you call it, or the lobby or, or the workout room or the pool area or the bar and restaurant, that it's that people are following the same guidelines. Now, it's also important to remember that hotels all over the world, as you very well know, um, they're completely different. So what may be working uh, for a beachside hotel uh, somewhere in Southern California might be completely different from a Las Vegas resort casino. Uh, and it's interesting that you you know, you know point out what all these hotels are doing. Um, we know that the, the Wynn Hotels in Las Vegas, I think they came out with a list of 700 different things that they are now doing uh, with respect to cleaning uh, to, to make sure that their guests feel safe and understand what type of environment they're going to be in. 
Now, at a small hotel, you're not going to have a list of 700 things. It's going to depend on the hotel. But you've got to have a list. You've got to have that, that, that checklist of things you're going to do every single day. And it includes wiping down those door handles, uh, as you mentioned a moment ago, on a very regular basis. Um, I, I, I've got so much. I, my, I, my brain is spinning with things I need to be asking you. Um, in uh, Ireland and Northern Ireland, social distancing means two meters. Two meters of distance is six foot six, the height of my husband. He's two meters tall. Um, so I've known what two meters is for a long time, but I have heard that there are places in the U.S. that are of the belief that one meter of distance or one yard, 36 or 39 inches, is more than sufficient. And yet all of those um, scientists who spoke in the last couple of months insisted that it was a six-foot distance that would keep you safe from somebody else's you know, spittle or breathing on you or whatever. And um, now suddenly it's, oh, no, three feet's okay. Um, what's going on in America? Because here on this side of the ocean, on the east side of the Atlantic, it's still a hard and fast two meters, six foot six. Well, all the guidelines that I've seen all say six feet here in the U.S. So um, I think at least the official guidelines are, are doing that. Now, you know, how people behave individually, that, that really um, is going to range from place to place and, and person to person. You know, when I've been out, uh, people pretty much maintain that six foot distance, but it's interesting you get in some situations where that's impossible. For example, um, I've actually been on a number of flights recently and you can't maintain a six foot distance between yourself no kidding. and the person sitting. We're gonna take yeah, a quick commercial break on that note. Your US passport is the key to your international adventures abroad and is the most secure travel document that proves both citizenship and identity. The State Department's official website, travel.state.gov, has comprehensive information about applying for a passport for the first time, renewing a passport, passports for minors, fees, and much more. You can apply at over 8,000 passport acceptance facilities, including post offices and clerks of court. Standard processing is currently four to six weeks, and expedited service takes two to three weeks. If you need your passport in less than two weeks, call 1-877-487-2778 to schedule an appointment at one of our regional passport agencies. Once you have your passport, sign up for our Smart Traveler enrollment program and download our Smart Traveler app on your smartphone. You will receive country-specific information, travel alerts, and warnings. Visit us at travel.state.gov today. Rumors, Stephanie Abrams' novel of secrets, lies, and conspiracies that ensnare the lives of ordinary people in a tightening web that all starts with rumors. Available at Amazon.com in print and Kindle formats and BarnesandNoble.com. Rumors by Stephanie Abrams, the perfect leisure time companion. Traveling soon? Got questions? Email Stephanie at Stephanie at S-A-B-R-A-M-S dot com. It's Travel with Stephanie Abrams. The magic is happening at Yankee Candle Village in South Deerfield, Mass. One of New England's most popular attractions, the village is a unique entertaining world of fun, fantasy, food, and fragrance for the whole family. It's also the world's largest candle shop, where kids and grown-ups can make their own candles. The village is home to the enchanting Black Forest, where it snows year-round. Santa's Workshop, where he welcomes visitors every day of the year. And the Bavarian Christmas Village, filled with sparkling holiday ornaments. 
In addition to over 400,000 candles, you'll find toys, gifts, and more from great names like Pandora and Vera Bradley. And with tasty treats from Yankee Candy, Fresh Fudge, and Popcornopolis, every day is a holiday. Or sit down with the family for a wonderful meal at the award-winning Chandler's Restaurant. Yankee Candle Village in South Deerfield, Mass., where families come for the candles and stay for the fun. Take the Mass Pike to I-91, exit 24. Movie show travel itineraries with dots on maps. I want to do better than that and take you traveling by TV. Hi, this is Stephanie Abrams. Join me on Sundays on my new show, Travel TV with Stephanie Abrams, airing coast to coast when it's 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Plan to sit right beside me. We'll explore travel for fun, business, reunions, weddings, honeymoons, families, and sports adventures, reaching homes in Boston, New York City, Miami, Orlando, Tampa, Dallas, Houston, Nashville, Las Vegas, Los Angeles, and more cities across America. Our affiliate TV stations are listed at sabrams.com slash blog. That's s-a-b-r-a-m-s dot com slash blog and at biztv.com. Let's take off traveling together when it's 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Sundays. Ah, Curacao, the island that offers vacationers 55 different cultures wrapped in history and charming traditional European architecture like those you'd find in the Netherlands, but dressed in Southern Caribbean sherbet colors. Curacao's capital city, Willemstead, is a UNESCO World Heritage City waiting for you to explore its many attractions. And when you've whipped up an appetite and thirst after sightseeing and visiting your choice of over 60 dive and snorkeling sites complete with intimate coves and beaches, you'll find a wide variety of sidewalk cafes, gourmet restaurants, local eateries, and markets to satisfy every palate. Slide into Curacao's live and let live way of life. Curacao, feel it for yourself. Visit curacao.com or call toll free 800-328-7222. That's 800-328-7222. It's travel with Stephanie Abrams. On the line with me live from Washington, D.C. is Chip Rogers. He is the president and CEO of the American Hotel and Lodging Association, a membership organization of about 27,000 members. And um, how old is the organization, Chip? When was it founded? It's over 100 years old, uh, which is pretty amazing. So, so yeah, I think we recently celebrated our, I believe it's our 103rd birthday. Wow. Uh, so certainly not as long as the the U.S. as we're celebrating the U.S. birthday, but but more than a century. Wow, that's really impressive. That's really impressive. So, um, I was looking at um, the Belfast Telegraph sends me um, an email alert daily with their headlines. And uh, just recently, the headline was pubs will not be the same, at least for the immediate future, because tables are two meters apart. There, Everybody has to sit. You cannot stand at the bar. Um, the atmosphere of a pub, um, at least in Northern Ireland, I haven't seen... Um, the specs on the Republic of Ireland. Um, but 
the the ambience will be different. And then there's all this business that I read about this one and that one can open, but only 25% occupancy in a hotel. If you ran an average of 25% occupancy for a year, you would lose your shirt. And unless you had unbelievably deep pockets, you'd be out of business because you can't, you can't pay your bills. I, the last I checked, and it's a few years now, so things may have changed somewhat, but it used to be in the range of 65 to 67% average yearly occupancy is what you needed just to pay all your bills. And then you would rapidly drop anything above that to the bottom line as profit or money at least that you could reinvest in this, that, and the other because hotels are always in a refurbishment phase. You know, I've never spoken to a hotelier that wasn't in a refurbishment, going into a refurbishment, or just coming out of a refurbishment, and it's always in the millions, multi-millions, tens of millions of dollars, because it's not a cheap thing. Imagine, you know, imagine redecorating and refurbishing your home. Now multiply that by 100, 200, 1,000 rooms and public spaces. So this is an expensive proposition. How are hoteliers going to deal with that? It has been extremely tough, and I think you, you brought up a good point. Some of these regulations, I'm not sure, are based on science. Uh, we clearly understand in a, in a very public space, like a pub, uh, there needs to be some distancing. But in a hotel where you, of course, have walls, uh, it never made any sense to me when they began suggesting 25% occupancy. We've pushed back against that, and so we're not seeing that much anymore. Um, hotels are allowed to, to fill their rooms. Okay. It's really maintaining that guest's public space so let me and, ask and you the a distance question, in the public space. Because this, regrettably, is our last segment, and it's a short one. How, how do elevators work? How do you have a floor <laughs> full of people in a high-rise and not have people within six inches of each? I mean, you could all turn around and have a group hug in an elevator. So are there controls for how elevator capacity is worked? Depending on the size of the elevator, but you're exactly right. They're limiting it to one to two, sometimes four people, depending on how big the elevator is, which means you're going to have to have a little patience. Wow. Well, I think that would be a, 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 a kind of hidden benefit for the small hotelier where you can just walk in and walk to your room. And even to places that are like roadside places where you don't go through a main lobby to get to an interior corridor, but you can reach your accommodation from the parking field and just walk right into your room. I mean, those suddenly have become benefits where they used to be disadvantages to some degree. Well, and you get more exercise walking up and down stairs now as well. So oh, yeah, like I, I, and I really that. need that. So I want to thank you so much for joining us today. I still have, we spent a broadcast hour with you, Chip, and I still have a thousand questions. I know we had a lot of trouble trying to find the intersection of, you know, where you could be available, but would you look at your calendar and find a time for us to be able to get together again? Because I'd love to have you back. I will definitely do so, and we welcome you back to the States when it's when you can make it happen. So uh, come on back. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to getting together with you. That'll be grand. Stay on the line with me as we go into the top of the hour news. Everybody else, stay with me. We'll be back after these important messages and top of the hour news. This is Stephanie Abrams, live from County Antrim in Northern Ireland at Corner Cottage in Ballygally, Cairncastle. That's a lot to say. We'll be back. Stay with me.
We're flying high.